Blog Talk Radio. The love received so far has been so hard. There's a few dudes to 
said they so soft. Don't be thrown off any Zolar. Avoid them at all costs, like raccoons or skunks. But back to the regular scheduled program. The program is sponsored by Seven Heaven. What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven at 11-11? Emerge at the other end of those meditation portals and elevated walk tools. Even some abort tools. Any questions, comments, or concerns, press one. To everyone else, thanks for attending another session. I'm pleased to teach, but it's an honor to learn. Certainly, courtesy of KTL University. Oh, please don't be frightened. I'm terribly sorry about this. You are. Peace, 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 family. Peace to you and yours. This is Know the Ledge Radio, and you are now rocking with the best. Yes, indeed, this is your host, Brother Blue. All right? Very soon we shall be joined by my co-host, Brother Red. Okay? And, um, yeah, we're going to jump directly into this program. Heavily anticipated. You know what I'm saying? I've been not only waiting for this milestone marker to, uh, you know, to come around our fifth anniversary, but I've also been waiting for the return of tonight's guest alongside her son, who has never been on this program, and it's going to be an honor to open up the forum and the format and the platform to bring forth a grand demonstration, all right? The one that we have planned for you here tonight. So, definitely get yourselves comfortable, all right? Get situated and settled in. You know, you want to update your social media, send a tweet out, update status on Facebook, all right? Uh, share it on Instagram if you can find the picture on any of the networks, the flyer. Right? The flyer is very uh, a beautiful flyer. We put a lot of energy into it, okay? Give you that visual. Happy Born Day, Noble Juwali celebrated his solar return yesterday, okay? And we started our program five years ago on January 8th. Okay, I believe it was might have been a Thursday during that cycle. And of course we opened up with a show in honor to the prophet. And we opened that show up with Sister Rosmariah Bay, tonight's return guest. And for some um strange reason, you know, that show as well as a few others are no longer available in the archive. It's like they swiped the whole season out. So I know that it's out there in cyber realm, in cyber world somewhere, and we are working in the back office to get this situated with Block Talk. But, um, you know, those are our historical beginnings. All right, let me open up the line for my co-host. He can add on. Okay. Peace, peace, it's, peace to the family. Actually, yeah. 
good. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm telling the story, but I need you to chime in. It's, this is actually your brainchild. I was just here for assistance. Oh, you mean the, the beginnings of Know the Ledge Radio? Yeah, you got to tell the story. You know, no matter how oh, many yeah. times you tell it, you got to tell it. <sighs> it's like, hold on, let me tell you something. Um, I was reading an article about one of the great music legends. I don't recall which one it was right this particular moment, but this legend mm-hmm. had been in the game for about 40, 50 years. Oh, okay. It was the last member of the Temptations. Okay. And he was like, yo, I don't have no respect for people saying that they get tired of performing their hits. It was like, I perform my hits over and over and over and over again. Like, you, you should never be tired of performing your, your hit. And that's like the same thing as telling your story. You know, you should want to perpetually tell your story forever. Over right. and over. Yeah, yeah. Over and over yeah. again. It's, your foundation well, the first it was 2008. Yeah. You know, we were very active on YouTube, Nodeless TV. That was the era where a lot of, you know, uh, the rise of this new generation of consciousness, of, you know, everybody was going viral. We were using that platform to get our image out, our message out, our lectures and all things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, then I was introduced, somebody mentioned something about blog talk radio. Uh, you know, I was like interested, like what's going on over there. One of the fourth bearers and one of the torch bearers and one of the, um, people who had blog talk radio in a vice grip was a sister by the name of Nikki Love, was her co-host brother Ankh, who is now the host of the Amin Ra Squad or the leader right. or, you know, the right. video of this yeah. team. I don't know. Yeah. Shout out to, I mean, shout out to Brother Arm. So um, we began listening to the show, paying attention, you know, to to that, that uh, you know, um, different way of disseminating information. It was interesting. You know, it was definitely interesting. You know, he was able to, call in, sit back, unwind, you know, put one in the air if need be, just chill in the comforts of your home and listen to the, uh, a version of talk radio that only up until that point, conscious-wise, you know, I don't even know if that really was um, an option it didn't exist. where you could. Yeah. yeah, it didn't exist. I, you knew about Howard Stern and talk radio, like the conservatives, Air America, Limbaugh, all yeah, of the yeah. left, yeah, the right-wingers and everything. But there wasn't a platform where the brothers could get on, the conscious movement, the community could get on. And from the the inception, it was ratchet. Let me just keep it. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying that from the inception, from the beginning, there was like, it was an element of it to where it wasn't controlled by the elders. It wasn't, you know, uh, it didn't have those sort of um, policies that, you know, something that the elders introduced would have. So, you know, it was going in. It was cursing. People was getting hung up on. It was, you know, it was just, it was a, a chaos energy, you know, which is cool because when, when things begin, you know, you know, uh, there there's chaos in a lot of um, mediums when it first begins. It's, it's a little, you know, loose with it. Yeah. 
So I found it interesting. Like, it was cool. You know, that was around the whole rise of the, the, the debate energy and stuff like that. So people was going at it. They was they was going in. And um, I got invited on the show a few times. Our brother, Brother Rich, shout out to our brother Rich. He was a pioneer in Block Talk Radio as well. Um, yeah. Alexis Tyler was a pioneer Rich. in Block Talk Radio as well, too. She was one of the shows Brother Sabir invited me on. And um, I got a taste of getting on the radio and talking to an audience via that modem or that medium. Brother Rich used to have Bobby come on and a few other people, and I was just, you know, yeah. I was I was interested. So it was, yeah, it was day, compelling to me. It was compelling, it was compelling. to me. Um, and yeah. Shout out, yeah, we don't want to leave Sister Abundance Child out. I think that was, oh, that's, yes, that's kind of, yeah, Abundance. that's what sold well, me. Yeah. Yes, Sister Abundance she, um, Child waving the Morris flag, riding yeah, the, Morris the Morris flag. When people, exactly. you know, were basically putting their flags away, you know what I mean? Putting a putting she, up she, shimitar, she put a yeah, you know, she put a loudspeaker uh, up to the world. Putting their in a case. She was riding for the Moors. Our brother's Aboriginal law firm, Shyam El Amir. They were also riding super hard for the Moors. You know, there's other radio shows that are out there. They wasn't riding for the Moors. Let's 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 be clear, okay? They were running scared, uh, and you already know what it is. So. We were like, yo, we want to throw our hat in the ring too and represent for the for the Moors, for the profit, you know, for the movement, uh, and just for the truth, uh, for that matter. Throw our feds in the ring. I don't know about a hat, but yeah. Throw the feds so, in the ring because at that point, the information was not being presented in a proper manner, you know, in, in a way that um, the neophytes and other people would be able to accept the information. It wasn't being given the right way, just my humble opinion. And um, whenever something like that, like you said, it was compelling. And I know that whenever any technology or any, any, anything is compelling to me in such a manner, it's, it's because of the potential that it has. You know what I mean? It's because you create your future, and we live in a, a, um, a reality where there are multiple realities in front of us. You know what I'm saying? But tell about the magnetism, the force, and the pull of something if that's going to be pulling you in a direction where there's a um, there's a beautiful future that awaits. And that had a pull on me the same way that YouTube had a pull on me the first time I uploaded a video and seen what it could do. So we went ahead, and it was really on the whim, right, Blue? We had a conversation. Blue had a conversation yeah. with one of his significant others. Um, I also had the same convo. We sat down in the crib one day, oh, chopping yeah. it up. My, my weird at the time, yeah, I think she was, she was doing blog talk. She had a blog. She talk was doing show. blog talk, yeah. And she um, was doing it. So I was, I was just getting some pointers because I had been featured on some shows, and just like you said, it was exciting. It was like, wow, you know, I got an opportunity to talk to an audience that I can't see, but I felt that. You know what I mean? I was like, I got a knack for this based on my um, experiences, you know, talking on camera and doing interviews, you know? Yeah, so and we could originally, originally, so we, we yeah. relate to the excitement that our guests have and the preparedness and, and all of the things that encompass getting on a radio show. When they come on the show, 
maybe for the first time or our, our, our recurring guests and things of that nature, I could relate because I remember the first show I did with Nikki Love. That was an like that was an event. I think I meditated. You know, I was in the dark room. I was wild, nervous. I was taking notes, writing. Yeah. I had a whole thing of notes. Mine's mine was the same way. Mine was an adventure. I had jumped on a plane and came from Virginia. I was headed to New York to surprise y'all. Y'all didn't even know I was coming to New York. I had got booked by Bunny's Child to interview Dr. Sabi B. It was October 22nd. I remember it. October 22nd, 2009. You know what I'm saying? And I got commissioned to interview Sabi. I had landed at the airport, right? A girl came and picked me up. My phone was dying. I had to go to raise pizza and plug into the wall just to get energy in the phone to complete the interview. You know what I'm saying? Or juice up. And then I jumped, you know what I mean? We jumped back in the whip and we headed uptown and I was doing the interview in the car all the while there. And uh, I was sitting outside, of, we parked outside of the venue. I finished the interview. It was an uh, uh, incredible interview. We pulled it off. And then I went inside and surprised y'all all. You know what I'm saying? I, I was in the venue listening to the interview. Yeah, yeah, I was in yeah, the venue. Yeah, we had a showcase. I was, I was on the phone upstairs listening to it. Huh? 
how many times of the first year was the show going to end? You say how many times what? In the first year was the show going to end? You was like, you know, you know what? I ain't doing oh. this no more. Yeah, there was there was quite a few times that we contemplated, you know what I'm saying, um, doing something else. I guess, you know, we just couldn't catch the right traction. There was so much going on, and it required so much dedication that it really was like a lifestyle change that you had to undergo to commit yourself to a block of time, and time was moving so fast during those times, you know what I'm saying? Everything was just activated. You know, this is when the community was at its height. But I think that, you know, the fact that um, the first show was such a strong show, like I remember our first caller was uh, Dr. Phil Valentine, you know what I'm saying, on a humbug, and it was like, wow, this is this is, uh, this is a platform that we can explore many options on. So we just had to um, calibrate ourselves to a... a to a fixed schedule, you know what I'm saying? We had to move some things around and we had to make a commitment. And um, we noticed the chemistry that we both had on air. And, you know, we've told this story before and we'll tell it again. You know, prior to this particular venture, prior to us doing No Alleged Radio together, <clears throat> we were bump heads a lot. You know, there, there weren't too many things that we were consistent with without bumping heads, you know what I'm saying, without coming into some sort of friction, you know, and even <laughs> if you'll notice the earlier shows, like, you know, Rad would talk over me and, and things of that particular nature, like, you know, that was, that was, uh, that was symbolic of our relationship. It was just a lot of friction, you know, so we kind of like got a, uh, understanding and grasp on things, and we saw that this format was working for us, and we were able to display both of our strengths minus the weaknesses. And the more and more we focused on that, and we made it less about ourselves, but more so about the community at large and our guests, who many of which were our you know, direct friends. These were all people that we were in communication with. These are all people that we conversated with on the regular, that we admired, that we wanted to bring to a wider audience to share information. You know, when we made that selfless sacrifice, that's when things pretty much came together. And, you know, in the, um, in the angelic biblical sense, you know, the angels descended and granted us the blessings, you know what I'm saying, that we've been able who steered this Nebuchadnezzar ship ever since. And, and I want to say... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so what, what, what we've arrived at five years later is a testament to the honing of one's craft. It's a testament to the smoothing of a rough ashlar. You know, it took a lot of work to get here, a lot of dedication. Um... <laughs> I could I could, I I could create a web series, a documentary, you know, yeah, out of the, the various different relationships that I've been through. Been you know, like I remember, years. I don't remember, yeah, I don't remember these shows out of years. I remember it through the relationships. Yeah, I remember them by the relationships, you know what I'm saying? I remember these you shows know. through, yeah, I remember my cycles through my relationships and how these programs would affect 
um, my relationships and how it's to program me or how to lead. my yeah. relationships. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I received ultimatums. It's either me or that damn radio show, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, shout out to everybody, though, who oh, was in absolutely. my life through this cycle, who definitely played a part yes. in inspiration. Shout out to uh, everybody. Who was there holding, the, yeah, holding it, it down, exactly. like, you know, radio shows where it, it's just crazy. It was crazy. It was like the Puff video when he was on the side of the train. You know what I'm saying? You know, you'd be on the show on the side of the train, like going through the tunnel and whatnot, people shooting at you, but you still got to keep everything in pace and be calm on the show. So I've been through a lot, you know. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I've been under fire, literally. <laughs> yeah, literally. Literally under fire during programs, you know. Straight, I, my right? only regret you know is that I yeah is that we never captured we haven't captured like a lot of stuff on film you know what I mean I'm not that much of a narcissist or I'm not really you know that self invested that I would set up a tripod while I'm doing the show that's a good idea it, it, now it makes sense years later you know what I'm saying because there was some situations where y- y'all would have loved to see stuff that was happening in the vicinity of the show while it was happening. You know, nothing crazy or nothing, but just not what you think. Because we don't sit in the studio when we do the show. You know, we try to, we're very, you know, we want to be in our element. And our element as Scorpions and our element as people that's on the front line is whatever front line is available at the point, at the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, if it's a corner, you know, if it's if it's a bunker, if it's a penthouse, yeah. rooftop, you know what I'm saying? If it's a on a if it's just like, yeah, if it's in the band though, like wherever we need if to be, penthouse, we broadcast yeah. it from every yeah. place imaginable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if it's inside of the Except castle, inside of the cell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me pull that one so, out. Yeah. And yeah. I want to do, I want to so, send a special shout out because you did mention his name, Dr. Phil Valentine. You know what I'm saying? Um, a lot of things that I was able to do, you know, I was able to do as a result of somebody who I looked up to highly, you know what I mean, as one of my master teachers, you know, not only, you know, telling me, go ahead and go for it, but being there for me, like the show that we did with Nikki Love the first time I was on Blog Talk Radio, you know, I don't know how many people have had that opportunity to have him as your co-host, to hold you down, you know what I'm saying, to add on and be there, you know, having, I don't remember too many people coming on this show on their first time and bringing their master teachers with them. So Phil has been there. Phil Valentine has been there for me and you. He saw the vision, you know, the same way that we saw the vision in him. He saw the vision in us. And he bestowed um, a lot of jewels on us. And he was able to lend his name and his credibility, you know what I'm saying, to our cause, you know. And um, he was one of our first guests or one of our first callers on our first show, you know what I mean, and that meant a lot. You know, that definitely meant a lot. That gave me inspiration. That made me feel like I was accepted amongst the greats. Because we look at things in hindsight, family, like we look at this this whole community in, 2000, in the 2014 or 15 lens, not realizing that we used to be babies in this thing. You know what I mean? We were the dudes in the audience. You know what I'm saying? Like we came from behind the scenes, you know, uh, 06, 07. But prior to that, we were behind the scenes. You know, still working, yeah. but we were in the audience. I remember. We were, we were students. Yeah. You know, I remember like I had a conversation. Were, like everybody. 
yeah, last night um, in my dream, my dream was playing out some things for me. I was seeing, you know, this whole vivid recap of this journey, and it was showing me, like, I had a conversation with Rich before, right, where I had made those flyers, um, one of the most famous pictures that have been circulating on the Internet of Haru and Osset, which is an appropriate story to tell. Like tonight we have a, a ma-son combination, yeah. Haru, Osset, the Black Madonna, and then the uh, bleach version of the Black Madonna and her, and, 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 and the, and her son, right? Before, after, and way after is the is the title of that of that particular picture. So I had made those pictures for Brother Rich, um, out when he was in in Brooklyn, and we joke about it all the time. He's like, "Yo, nobody will ever believe that story," and I'm glad that I have a witness. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I wouldn't even try to tell that story if I didn't have that witness. Because that that picture is so viral that people was like, "Come on, son, you ain't make that. You got your hands and everything." And I remember, um. At the time, I was late. Like, I had to bring some pictures for Rich, and Rich got pissed off at me, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, man, I'm out here putting it on the line. He's like, what you did for this community? And I was like, whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> at, at that point, it hit me that I had been too silent. I was like, hold on, like, excuse me? And then I realized because he repeated his question that he didn't know because you kind of tend to think that the people that you came in here with, and you know what I mean, you set the mm-hmm. crib up, you know what I mean, and those people move in and, and, and now they're taking care of the crib, you think that those people would be responsible to be like, yo, this wouldn't have been possible without such and such because as we have recalled on, on certain um shows that we've recapped about the quote-unquote conscious community. The origins you know, of the metaphysical underground community started as a as, as, as something, you know, a thought in my mind that I shared with, with Black Dot and Black Dot shared with me about, yo, I want to, you know, I want to do a lecture and bring Phil Valentine in because I only seen him on VHS. And I'm like, yo, I go to his lectures all the time, but I'm the only one in the lectures under 40. So I had known Brother Shabazz at the time because that's where I was getting my VHSs from. I was like, yo, I know a dude downtown Brooklyn that knows him. He's like, word? I was like, yeah. And then Black Top was working with me at the uh, Four Corners newspaper at the time. So he was like, you could put something together. You could hook us up. I plugged them in with uh, Shabazz. And Shabazz called Valentine. Boom. Third Eye Productions was born, Metaphysical Underground, which created the whole platform for the merger of the youth, you know what I'm saying, and consciousness. Just, it was just the, give a name of some of the people that came through that, yeah, through those pillars. So, Bobby you know, Hammett. the family might not know. Say it again. Bobby Emmett. Okay. Double Blair. Phil Valentine, we created a platform to bring a guy through that you might know um, called AYC. Yeah. When he came home. Yeah. Uh, I see her. Uh, this guy named I see her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who else? There's some others out there. 
And by way of Bobby coming through, Bobby brings panic. You know, panic brings other people through. You know what I'm saying? By way of mm-hmm. Rashid coming, you know, Rashid starts opening the door and bringing other oh, people. Bob. Sinetta shows up on the scene. Yeah. And Sinetta mm-hmm. takes the range from where Shabazz left off. You know, the, you know then. Yeah, uh, Shabazz. King Simon comes with the very first over the range. Yeah. King Simon mm-hmm. comes with that Dr. Sabi lecture that I did the interview with Abundance Child for. You know what I'm saying? And who opened up for um, that? And uh, Polite. Polite very like first opened up for the Sabi lecture. Mm-hmm. Right. I met Polite in 2007 in his bookstore on Utica Avenue and told him I was the first one to tell him that we had a community and I wanted to bring him into it. Two years later, he's opening up. You know what I'm saying? For Dr. Sabi, the same day that I debuted Seven Hemp Seamoss. So I'm just like, whoa. On our birthday. If you don't tell your story, yeah, on, on my birthday, mm-hmm. that. So I'm like, my solo, if you don't tell your story in this game, nobody's going to tell it for you. You know what I'm saying? And it's not so much that everybody's trying to take credit, but, you know, people is into their narrative and they're part of the story or whoever is visible yeah. at that time in that story. And we were in the background. We was filming. You know, we was uh, uh, asking the questions, the most stimulating questions in the lecture and pushing the lecture forward because it's like even in the background, because I'm in the music industry at this time, so I would show up to the lectures, but the teachers that would come forth that we would have at these lectures, it would always be like the topic they was talking about coincided with my studies at the time. So I had the best of both worlds, you know what I'm saying? I was bringing the information back into the music industry, building with these artists, going to the master teachers, getting the information, talking to them, sitting in the audience, hearing them speak to me directly to my spirit, you know, and, you know, other things just started opening up and progressing. And, and like I said, here we are, you know, and we've introduced and brought forth so many notable guests on this program, you know, many of which you've never heard anywhere else. And, and, you know, these, yeah. these people are giants. You know what I'm saying? These people are giants. Legends. Deservingly so. And I was, um, you know what I'm saying? I was in Miami, you know, uh, I was working with Pitbull, okay? Um, I'm sure but at this point everybody knows who that is because I remember when we first yeah, was there, so. they'd be like, who? Yeah, at this point you know who Pitbull is. Um, I was working with him under styling. You know what I mean? Dealing with the whole styling and everything, putting the outfits, pulling clothes and stuff like that. Um, merch, and then I got into merch. And um, I was going on tour. You know what I mean? I was able to go around the states and whatnot. I was able to see the industry from a behind the scenes, you know, aspect and whatnot. Then I got fired. You know? I keep it thousand. But I was still in Miami and I started hearing rumblings about, you know, um, what was going on in the community, Blue was telling me, because he was doing the lectures with Valentine and all of that stuff. And I would, you know, I was receiving DVDs. Then um, I linked up with some of my brothers out of Brooklyn, uh, uh, Duo Live, with my brother DJ Five Odds uh, and um, MC Free, DJ Sweet Fire, and a few other brothers. And uh, they were in Miami, but they they were doing the independent thing. So I was able to see, you know, once I got, a, you know, after that whole industry thing, you know, of course I was a little um, dis, 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 disenfranchised or 
you know, I wasn't really feeling industry niggas at that point. I was like, yo, that shit kick rocks, da 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 da. And then I drifted towards independence. I saw the brothers living, they they were living in a mansion, a mini mansion in the design district, making three thousand dollars a day off of selling their CDs on South Beach. It was nine to ten of them at a given any given time, and the 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 operation they would they would have um, a hundred. Was it a hundred? No, they would probably have fifty CDs a piece, and they were all supposed to sell. They were all supposed. They were all competing against each other to sell those fifty CDs a day, which would equal up to five hundred dollars a piece. So some days we made over more than three racks. So when I saw that operation take place, and inside of that operation, you know these brothers were Rastafarian. Um, Rastafarian, you know, street Rastafarian. So they, they were from Brooklyn, but they were Rastafarian, but they were younger. So, of course, they were into the hip-hop lifestyle mixed with the Rastafarian lifestyle. So we were basically, you know, reading books about Selassie, chilling with the older Ross. You know, I was getting cultured. I was, I was receiving culture, you know what I mean? A culture that I wasn't necessarily familiar with from, a, from the inside. I, I, I lived in Flatbush all my life. But I never was inside of a roster household to see, you know, to, to really see the, the, the way that that thing unfolded. And um, yeah. then when I came to New York, but that gave me, make a long story short, around yeah, that yeah, time yeah, as yeah. well, I started dealing with independence. And, and I went from, you know, the whole styling thing to making my own clothes once I learned the game from the inside, once I got into the factories and seen how they were making clothes and what it took to make it, and how silkscreen worked, and all of that stuff, and the light bulb went off, and I got into my own once I, and then learning about Rastafarian, Kemet culture, the Kemetic culture, uh, ancient um, African diaspora, and even some Moorish information from the early 90s that I was learning in Brooklyn, but it was, it was, those seeds were being planted, it was laying dormant, so I was like, yo, we're gonna, I'm gonna do a clothing line that's going to represent you know, uh, the culture. And I arrived in New York City in 2004, and then I went into Harlem. I met Sarnetta. He told me that I could set up next to him to go get a table and set up next to him. Black Dot gave me some startup money. Sarnetta threw me a few dollars to start up because I was dead broke. I'm talking about I had nothing. I didn't even know where I was getting my food from on a daily basis. I didn't know I didn't know where I was eating. I was staying. My grandfather taking care of him. He was in an old folks' home. I was staying there with him. You feel what I'm saying? And I was I was completely shot, you know, because I unplugged myself from the system. I unplugged myself. I, I unplugged myself from the legal activities. I unplugged myself from all of that stuff. And I went gun ho. And I said, there has to. There's going to be a way. I don't know where it is coming from, but there's going to be a way. I even met my son's mother around that time, and she was holding me down. Shout out to her. You know, she was one of the reasons why I came to New York to to pursue her because I had a you know I had a dream that we would have a child. And um, you know, clothing and line. And now seven years later, yeah. Yeah, and, and and here we are. You know what I'm saying? That was my humble beginnings in New York, coming back into New York, and and introducing myself into the community. You know, and I, I came in as a vendor. You know what I mean? So I would be at the lectures. Right. Selling my wares and, and, and you know. But, yeah, yeah. in 2001, right, this brother did come home from one of his skid bids. I think he was in um, 
We use that. Mariah. Okay. So 2010, 2001, the day before the towers, he went to a court proceeding with me in, in New Jersey, the jurisdiction of, yeah, Bergen. Yeah. And um, he witnessed something that he had been hearing about but hadn't quite yet bore witness to. And that was this more yeah, no idea. Yeah. You know, I, 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 no I skimitard. I had this guy. <laughs> I swore the skimitard and I beheaded a judge in court. He witnessed that in real time. And it was unlike anything. And I was on a supervised seen. parole. I was about to snitch. I was about to get out of there. But he did it. <laughs> I was playing. Yeah. So but now I came from a situation. Yeah, because I, I, I came from a situation where I was in a, you know, I was in a militaristic um, boot camp uh, sort of situation in the mountains of New York. I don't know if people are familiar with outside of New York City, but in the mountains of New York, you're dealing with seven foot tall and the correctional facility environment of New York is run by uh, Ku Klux Klan and white supremacists and things of that nature, Aryan Nation. And in the, in, the, in the facility that I was in, it was very military-like, you know what I mean? They were programming people. I saw how brothers and sisters get programmed when they're in the military, the five certain steps that they take through being in that program. I saw how deep it is. So I'm not going to lie. When I came out of there, you know, just being um, confrontational to the to authority, that was like, the furthest thing in my mind. Like, that was something that was unfathomable because of what I saw, you know, take place in those facilities, how they had brothers, you know what I'm saying, under lock. Like, they had dudes completely in line, you know, by dangling all kind of stuff, like your release date and all kind of other little things in front of you. So when I saw that demonstration, I was like, what the hell? Like, it it, it blew me away. And it completely short-circuited, and it pulled me out of the matrix in a way that nothing else would ever be able to do. Because 9/11 happened the next day, and that didn't even add on. That that had that that did not resonate and register on the levels of eye openings and unpluggings the way that this event did. This was the event horizon, family. Okay, the same way that you may have seen malls in court or you may have seen a video that has gone viral with a brother or a sister standing up to authority or standing up to the policy officers or standing up to the brothers and sisters in this colorful system, you know what I mean, uh, the de facto system, and proving, and proving beyond reasonable doubt by their demonstration that, that it, it is what they said it is and what it did for you, you know, and how it opened up your eyes and how it, took you further down the rabbit hole. I experienced that in a very small courtroom surrounded by some big-ass Romans, you know what I'm saying, with pink faces, you know, who are very upset with the simple fact that me and the other six or seven brothers with their feathers on were completely standing on our square, and we were not apologetic. We were not Negroes. We were not dancing for them. We were not smart. We were not pointing fingers at each other, trying to sell each other out. We did not show any fear. We were not fear. intimidated. Yeah. We were not intimidated, B. You know, we was not and intimidated. I and I saw, that, I saw that yeah. judge turn red. I saw them put my brother in handcuffs 
and bring them inside of themselves for being in contempt of court. And I saw them go back there and bring them out and let them out. Some shit that I've never seen. And I and I and there's a whole bunch of things that took like us being the only ones in the courtroom when that took place. The last ones being called because they saw the feds from early in the morning, you know. And I was like, so, I don't, I'm not yeah, ready to go so, back up north. Like I don't know what's right, going to on. To make a long story short, so you know when people say this stuff is not true, when people say it doesn't work, when people say there's nothing to it, you know, again. With with the dedication, I say you don't know energy. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about, and because we have lived this, all right, and we know what the difference is. Unfortunately, we have been involved with the criminal justice system for many years, so we know the difference. We've had all kinds of confrontations with the quote unquote authorities, and we played them facts. several different ways. So I know what the difference is. I'm not new to this. So it's almost you like. Know, it's almost like, you know, you know, some gladiators who went to fight Rome and none of them came back with their heads. You feel me? And you live in a village and you're like, yo, you can't beat Rome. That ain't true. Cause everybody that went to try it got defeated. Yeah. But that's from your perspective because the people that you may have known were not successful in that, you know? Right. But on, but on the flip side, there are people, especially on the Wednesday classes, that we have been frequenting for about the same amount of time that we've been, uh, that we've had this show. I think it's seven, this is, no, this, the class is in its seven-year cycle. It's eight cycle. And we've been, yeah. and this is where we learn consistency from. Consistency every single Wednesday, all right? If, I, if we're not there, we're out of town. But every single Wednesday, my 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 son, my child has has been raised up from being in a baby carriage all the way up until this point. You know, all kind of things have happened, but we've been there with our sister Roz, Mariah Bay, our brother Nizraim, Anna E, Taj Tariq Bay, Abdullah Mosey Bay, brother Arnold, everybody who has been in the building with us. We've been sitting in there, tall in our square learning Sabir Bay. I mean, it's so many people that walk through those doors. You would never so, believe it. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's get it the show on the way. What we wanna explain to you family is like I said, there's been a lot of controversy around what what works, what doesn't work, is this real, is it authentic? You know because once again, like I said, we know it's real. All right, because of what we've been through, not because of what we heard, not because of what we've seen, but because of what we've been through, that we felt that it was obligatory for us to bring forward somebody who can guide you directly because there's a lot of misguidance out there, and that's what people are suffering from. Okay, I don't want to take no shots or point no fingers, but we're going to bring you a genuine article, Okay an authentic demonstration and the fact that we also are able to witness the the growth of her son as well. We wanted to utilize this day and this platform to honor him and bring him forth. Okay? So let me begin by opening up Sister Ross Mariah's line, call from the 609 
609, is it 404? Islam, peace. Hold on, give me one second. Yes. Yes. Greetings. Oh, you can hear me now. You got me. Yes. It's long peace and love to you both, brothers. Wow. This is really, really, really interesting. I've listened to your story. As your brother said, you got to tell the story, right? Tell the story. Yeah. And I realized that it was five years ago you guys started this radio show and that you told me that I was the first to be on that. And I recall leaving New York from a class. So I think it actually was on a Wednesday night. Okay. All right. It, okay. It Beautiful. Because when, yeah, when you do the mathematics, yeah, it would probably be a Wednesday because when you get to your seventh year, it would go back to whatever day it was. But um, And I was on my way traveling. And my phone was dead, and I had to use someone. In fact, Sister Annie Eve was with me. We used her phone to call in. And I realized that I got to put this on my resume that, you know, that I was the first on your show. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Man, I did some numbers for you on listening to you guys talk about how long you've been doing this. So you said something. Seven, no, I'm sorry, you said five years, but, you know, there's 52 weeks. There's only seven days in a, in a week, 52 weeks, you know, 364 times the five, and you're at an eight. You're at an eight, which is infinity. So it is that you shall continue <laughs> to do this show. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I know you get those weary moments, as I heard you mention, but you just got to keep trucking through it, right? Indeed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh-huh. And you know, and I we are fives, we fives ourselves. You know, today is the day of Venus. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so the, the the math lines up beautifully. It it really does. It really does. And you said that and, um, some of your experiences is that it, it, it really what you're saying, and that's, this is in honor of the quote that Prophet Number Ali gave us, that man just doesn't know by being told. You have to experience it, right? Got to yes. live it, you know, yeah. have to go through it. Yeah. There's certain things that I would never be able to tell anyone, you know, right. about this journey until I actually live through it because everything else would be speculation, you mm-hmm. know. But I, I could share, you know, I could share, you know, um, the wisdom of what this experience has um, endowed us with because mm-hmm. we've actually gone through it. And like, like I said, I learned or I had, an, I had a point of reference for consistency because of what you've been doing every Wednesday. You, you have to remember there's been times that we were, you know, we were we were going to falter, you know. We were going to renege on our promise that we were going to keep this thing going. We always had to sit back and go within self, and to you know sometimes you begin to search and you start looking for things that are consistent because you're like, why should I be consistent when no one else is? 
Everybody mm-hmm. else is falling off. Everybody else is ending their shows. Nobody is giving the people what they want. But then I'm like, damn, what about the Wednesday class? The garage <laughs> continuously yeah, coming in the snow, gives us that coming food. in the rain, and and I. And, and and this is this is I'm a vendor. I, I I don't I don't do the nine to five. I don't work for the European. So not only am I attending the class, but I'm there to get the support of my clientele and things like that to keep food on my table. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's still a business opportunity for me as well. So I look forward to the Wednesday class. You know, from a business standpoint and from a learning aspect and for a social aspect. Uh, amongst many other things, and by you being consistent, by you being there all of the time and bringing these beautiful people with you who are following and learning and things of that nature, it enriched our experience and it helped us with our journey and whatnot. So when I see what you've done for us, I have to put ourselves in that position and say that, wait, hold on, if we if we pull the plug and we go, you know, fall back into whatever else we were doing, what about the people who are benefiting off of these shows? What about the people? What about the what about the benefit that it was doing for us for therapeutic reasons? Mhm, mhm. I got you. You know, so. it's interesting because actually we're in in the ninth year. When September comes, we will be completing the ninth year of being there. Wow. Yeah. Uh huh. And um. Mhm. Uh, I have to go back to an ancient scripture when, when, because, and of course, we've been there too, weary, like, oh, why am I doing this? And, you know, should I, ought I continue? But you just keep doing it because ancient scriptures says that the road is narrow. And the road is narrow because there might not be many on it, but you have to stay on your sojourn. You have to stay on that road and follow the dictates of your soul. And that's, when you do that, you know, it all comes. So I'm glad to see that you you guys have done it. Your brothers have done it, and I'm really glad to see you uh, at the class. You know, and you're there all the time, or whenever you're not, whatever it is else you may be doing. I know you went down south a bit and did this and did that, and but you're still there and you're learning. Uh, I did, and, and I'll tell you the biggest honor I have is what you just said is um, that we're going to be bringing on my son. <laughs> who is in there? I watched you two brothers grow in this knowledge, and and I think I will take this opportunity to say that you had said earlier that the problem is is that um, is that people are misguided, and you're so correct because this is a time where information. You know, this is the information age, and it, it is also written, and we are living it, that many shall go to and fro in the earth seeking knowledge, and knowledge shall increase. You know, yeah. so nobody needs to feel bad about, oh, well, I didn't really get it two years ago, and now I get it now. Well, just get in where you fit in and roll with it because, it's definitely a cycle of time moving forward, and it's and it's based in it's based in information because knowledge is power, but information, you know, you have you must be informed, you know. Yeah. Then, yeah. Right, right, right. And and I'll tell you another thing: people will, will experience once they make that conviction, if they make it or when they make it. I, I trust they will. 
they will be tested by the universe. Oh, you definitely yes. will be tested. Uh, oh, yes, you will. You will def- trust that. Yeah. <laughs> trust mm-hmm. that. You will definitely be tested. There's mm-hmm. nothing that you can do to avoid that test. You know, no. and, I, and I, I say that with all sincerity, you know, and don't be afraid. There's nothing you can do but prepare. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And see, preparing, and, and you know, like I heard you mention about going in the court, and I heard you mention about the contempt thing, and then they came back and they you saw him come back and get your brother. Well, guess what? That's what they do. That's that's actually duress, and I mean that's a coercion. You know, because yeah, absolutely. Know yes. Right. You got to be able to stand to that, because um, and I'm sure Miss can tell you some experiences that he's seen as well. We all have where uh, that's what they do, you know, because it, it's like, the, you know, what is the wizard behind the, 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 the uh, on the Wizard of Oz behind the uh, curtain. Right. And so that they Right. Yeah. What I'm saying is based on my personal experiences and based on the grooming that I had prior to me going into that quote-unquote courtroom, I knew that I couldn't fold. I knew that there were going to be things that were introduced to me that looked real but weren't. So I knew that they were going to take it to the tilt with threat, duress, and coercion. That's where most people fold, and then they come back and they tell you what don't work. You know what I'm saying? That's where most people start compromising themselves, and they're like, man, I can't do this. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just too heavy on my heart. Like, you know, I almost had a heart attack in there. They haven't effectively short circuit that fear chip and that fear chip is, is even though it's a false reality, it appears to be very real in some people because it's hardwired to their system. And if they can feel it, they think it's real. So I know where people fall apart. I know what phase you don't get past. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's true that fear is absolutely false evidence that appears to be real. For real, it, it really, it truly is. And back in the day, you know, we were tell, telling people, look, you got to go in there. Because, let's, for instance, if I were to say to, to anyone, listen, I can write a writ for you or somebody or whoever can write a writ for you and you don't have to go in there because really they're not in that jurisdiction. They don't have any delegation of authority. If you, if, I, if someone did write it for you, you'd be shaking in your knees while you're at home because you're still fearful that somebody's going to come and get you, you know. Unless mm-hmm. you go in yourself and see for yourself the things that you have studied to know to be true, this, it's not yes. something that someone can get you. You have and, to get rid of that right. fear first and say, wow, they really are when, full of it. Right. Right. When this you say important. who has this, right. When you say who has a superior claim, it also comes down to you saying and feeling, you know, there's something inside of you that you have to feel in terms of saying my claim is superior and I'm going to wear that. And that's going to be my defense. I totally in my mind and my soul felt that I was 100% right because when I learned about the theft, when I learned about, you know, just, just the de facto aspect of who and what they were and the fact that they were slaying brothers and sisters every single yeah. day in that building. I'm like, there's yeah. no way that I'm more guilty yeah. than them. So hey, yeah. it's, it's a certain attitude that you got to develop, and that creates your magic. 
and also, you know, putting your energy into that paperwork is your magic. Mm-hmm. You, you are writing up and drafting wow. up your spell, and your spell has That's to break your spell. spell. Exactly. How can I write a spell for you? Because that's exactly what this spell is. When you write in school, they tell you it's spelling. So you have to be able to write it. You have to cast your own spells, you know? But my brother, right. Right. My brother will tell you the the way that I caved that proceeding is that I spelled my name out when they asked you to state my name for the record. Capital P, lowercase a. And they just went to a, a tizzy. They fell to pieces. Like, <laughs> the CEO is ran for me with the gloves. We're going to hit you if you don't stop. You know, the threat, the rest <laughs> of the coercion, all of that. The judge started falling to pieces. Oh, my. Or the magistrate or the whatever the hell he is. You know, so. It's, 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 he's, not, he's not a judge. See, that's, that, let me tell you how, too, we know that we all will get there. Because when our yes. language changes is when we know we have it. Um, when when you know that a judge is a, is what I refer to as an Article Three, because that's all that there is, and that's in the constant, and all the rest are magistrates. Therefore, they have yes. no judicial can, can, can you explain that to my audience? What an Article Three is? Well, Article when we, when you hear somebody say Article Three judge, they're qualifying the fact that there really is no other type of judge, but these people have told you that they were judges, and due to our lack of knowledge, we we call them, we dishonor ourselves, really, by calling them judges. They're not judges. They're magistrates. They're administrators. They can administrate, but they can't. They really have no judicial authority because in Article 3 of the Constitution, it tells you in the very, 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 very first line that all, not some, not a little bit, all, Judicial authority is vested in one court, and that is the Supreme Court, and to whoever the Congress has delegated it to, which is why you hear people say DOAO standing for delegation of authority, or you people send in a um, request for their advent of jurisdiction, which would be that delegation of authority that they would have to produce. So when you study, you will see the, the case laws that support that which already is, and that would be that, oh, it has to be produced. It cannot be, it cannot stand there and tell you out of their mouth, well, we have jurisdiction. But that's what they do, you know, because it has to be produced. And what is being produced is that delegation of authority, if they have it. But they don't have it, because none of them are courts. They're renting out um, meeting rooms, calling it courts sending out their private security guards who are highwaymen. And if you look up highwaymen, it'll tell you that they are uh, a highwayman is one who goes on the uh, road and uh, accost travelers. Didn't say drivers, travelers. And the natural people are travelers, but they keep calling themselves drivers. So people don't get, you know, how important words are, but they are because, as you just said, it has to come from, within you, and since words, uh, first there was the word, and the word, you know, was with God, as they say, and the word is God, then what is God but the word? Because that's the spell that you cast. You know, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by everything that proceeded from his mouth. So 
when we say, yeah, I was driving, then we just submit it to the jurisdiction, and they really are not going to tell you that. They're just going to want to Uber you because they're putting food on their plate. So uh, when one says Article 3 judge, that, and then you'll get what the uh, behavior in Article 3 of a judge is, you know, in good behavior. None of these people are judges. However, as we said, when you go in there for you to experience, once you, here's the problem. If you don't study that, Prior to going, you're not going to see it when you're in there. Right. You're going to call them a no, judge. totally. Exactly. So this is why that dirty word of study is on the table all the time, and that's how you get to know, as you stated, and it comes from within to without. Because as my son will tell you, and as we all know, justice is within this external justice and, you know, internal justice starts with within first, and then it's without. So if we don't study, you know, that's the whole thing. You have so many people, like you said, they're so misguided or they're infiltrated by people who have not studied themselves, who think that, you know, uh, the Constitution is the, a state's Constitution, when clearly if they studied the law of the land, it would tell you in Article 6 that the states, and we're talking union states, can establish constitutions, but as soon as they do, for their members slash citizens, as soon as they make anything that violates the rights that are already established in the law of the land to protect we the people, then whatever they just created has absolutely no standing. So everything is about standing and superior claim. So if you if you don't study that and know that, then all you're gonna do is what you just said oh, well, you know, they buckled at the knees and they ran, you know, as soon as they said boo, as soon as they, for instance, said, okay, you're content to court, which is a game they play, you know, because they're actually content, of course, all of them. <laughs> actually, so now when we recognize this, we realize upon a little bit of study, we go to school for 12 years to be 12 years, to, to, to train to be 12 years a slave, but we won't take a little time to say, you know what? I know this Constitution was established not for me, but it was established to preserve and secure rights so that I will not be what? Molested. But the prophet said, please enforce it so you won't be molested by who? Other citizens. Other. That's the other people. That's not you, you know? So. If they if they would take the time to do that, then they would recognize exactly what to say, and you would know exactly how to apply it because that's where it's at. That's where it's at, you know. Um, but many people are now delving into again, like I said, a magistrate, which is administrative. A lot of the Moors are out there doing what is called administrative processes, which were really things that Europeans tried uh, to do and um, failed. And because they're not the Aboriginals, they're not the Americans. So they throw it out there for us, and we just take it and run with it instead of stopping, studying a little bit. Go on with that. So Article 3 tells you, you know, uh, you, the difference now, if I may say, though, from years ago, is they still have a net out there. And they're taking a net, and they're, it's like dragging a net to try to, like, Catch the moors that didn't study quite enough, and they'll try to catch. They'll try to. They'll try to trip you up. So yes, you really gotta. Yes, 
days, they're not going to stop because, I mean, they, they're not going to stop at getting those who really don't know because they know what jurisdiction is and they know that you can submit to jurisdiction by what comes out of your mouth. <laughs> yes. And what you agree so, to. So, right. Yeah. So can I ask you this uptick in activity that you've seen, you know, for the majority of the calendar year of last year where, you know, there's been so many cases and because of these cases they burst slogans and they birth um, different levels of protests and birth a national slash international conversation about mm-hmm. our brothers and sisters, you know what I'm saying, in the next that prior to, you know, the uptick in activity, you know, the year before that, we got the slate of quote-unquote slavery movies by way of Hollywood, you know, the social engineering and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Do you see a deliberate attempt to kind of like undermine what Moors have brought forth and to put, for them to put these people back into a state of slumber by like aggressively branding them? Like just not light, it's not a light stroke. It's like they put four layers on the paintbrush and they just like. Just um, what you see is what has always been there. That's why the prophet said, wake up, you sleep, you had it morning. See, what you see has always been there. And the glory of it is that the remedy has always been there, too. So all they're doing is they, they, they're kind of losing their mind now because you're not sitting there letting them suck your blood anymore. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. The con- the consciousness that has been raising of the people has been putting uh, a peg, a slow down in their activities. And at the same time, for those who didn't know and didn't believe or didn't want to, they, 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 they're forced. And again, back to Prophet Noah Ali, he said, you're going to be forced, forced to make changes. And that's what we're seeing. But we have to also understand that these those that are accosting us, they make they they're forced to make changes too. But what's happening is what they've always been doing in under trickery, deceit, and running real smooth because of our lack of knowledge is now got a little you know, got a little wrinkle in it. And it's showing us in this electrifying age what really, truly, truly has been going on all along that we have had a blind eye to based on our lack of knowledge. So, yes. you know, and, and that's really what's happening. So it's, you know, it's an agitation right now, but uh, I, I I never like to talk in probably, but I got to say, is you is or is you ain't? You know what I mean? Where are you? Because there's no fencing it. There's no fencing it. No fencing it. You got to be fearless, independent. You got to be upright. Fearless and independent in these days, for real. I mean, I have to have some knowledge because it's not that they don't still want to rape you. It's not because they're scared about where they're going to get their meals from now. You know, they they really are. Right. Oh, most definitely. And to that, you know, there's some Euro- Europeans who are descendants of their ancestors who are looking to more, as the prophet said. As he said, some Europeans are helping. I'm, I'm not giving them any credit to that. I'm just saying. They know that their only salvation is the people who are the Aboriginal Indigenous uh, American, or American nationals. They know that in the end. And, and 
And that's why the prophet said it's all going to come to a halt. And when it comes to a halt, it's going to grind back up again. But it's going to be in the hands of force. Now, what we need to look at is our brethren morals and where they are in their lack. And also what needs to be done, which I think I had said years ago, institutions of learning. That's all that can be done. <laughs> That's all that can be done because you're not going to get past this by skating and not having knowledge. You know, we are the mothers and fathers of civilization, and we cannot escape from that. And some of the younger generation is coming in, those are the same souls retirement. You know, so we can't escape from that and act like, see, what has happened is we've been, uh, we have a European mindset. You know, we don't understand where our resources really are and that we are the resources. So we want to skate by, you know, and, and the universe is not letting that happen. You know, it's not going to go down. You may have to leave and come back, but, you know, as we as we always do, but it's not going to go down. So um, the other thing that it's showing, right now, the only people that are being, how do I say this, getting got, that doesn't make sense, but that are, it's, it's the ones where they put that net out there to to scrape the barrel and get those who are still on the fence, who really don't know yet, and it's sad because, uh, you know, um, it, it doesn't have to be be that way. Uh, unfortunately, it is, you know. Um, so all we're really seeing, and we don't care about Hollywood. But everybody knows what Hollywood has done. We already know that. That's who they are. Now, what you right. might want to look at is somebody in Hollywood or somewhere maybe independent is putting out some. Actually, they've been putting out movies that have given us information, but we just didn't have the keys. See, because without study, you're not going to see the keys. Some of the movies like Django, uh, 12 Years a Slave, I mean, they're giving you some heavy messages right there in those movies. They're telling you yes. people. You have been programmed uh, with, with 12 Years a Slave. Now, you think to yourself, what's that? Oh, yeah, I was trying to make it through high school. She <laughs> wrote 12 years, a slave. You know, Django, what did they do? Two years before the Civil War, they made sure that if you really look at it, Django, he knew how to read and write before he was captured. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what they showed you. Then they showed you brethren yeah, up north yeah. that were never moors. But you can go down south and if all if all of our elders have not transformed already, and there'll be people down south that have always owned land. Always. And have never experienced, never ever experienced going somewhere and seeing a sign that says for the bathroom or the water fountain that says for whites only. That's talked that I mean that happened in, in the areas. I'm not saying it didn't, but we have family that we can connect to right now that have never never experienced that. That's why the prophet said I went down in the south and it is the actions of my people. You know? But um so it's a mental slavery that we're in and uh, in order to get out of it we gotta we gotta build our mind. It's not difficult, but what we have to do is completely come away from um the European mindset, which is simply all about commerce. I mean, from the time that they came over here in the first place under the our British Moors, uh, uh, the British, which were the British Moors, 
to work on the plantations here. Everything was about commerce, everything, and that's how they think, you know. And now they made you, they're trying to make you the, the commodity <laughs> to sell your birthright. So um, that's that's really what it is. I think that people, what, what's happening is people need to know, and Anna E says, in fact, I think Anna E is on the line as well, listening in. She's an 860 number. But um, oh, okay. she, she always says that we have to know um, who is who and what is what. And, you know, and if you don't know who is who and what is what, then, you know, uh, you're going to get grasped. And a lot of our more, a lot of our brethren, they are so caught up in these administrative processes. It has not, you know, you said international, national. One of the things I think Lawrence don't get is that everything that applies to us as nationals is international. Common law is international law. So we have to stop digging into their statutes, ordinance, and things that they say is law, but you can't do and then try to find remedy there because you're not. So because they'll change that tomorrow, which is what they do, like, they'll have people, like, right now going after this administrative process of redeeming a birth certificate, which, by the way, the birth certificate is a void instrument from its inception. So everybody's out there trying to avoid it when it's already void. But then their mental capacity will say, yeah, well, they're using it to make us slaves. No, the prophet told you no man can change your descent nature. They, what they did, and, and, I, and I think I want to explain this real simple for people to understand. Yes. See, when you're yes, real simple, when you were born, your mother breathed out of her mouth whatever it was she wanted to call you. It was their processes that said, what did she say? She said what? Oh, okay. Uh, Thomas, whatever it was, let's go put that in all caps and make an artificial construct and make it a bond and put it on the stock market and, and use it on the back side, the front side, and all kinds of ways, and make finance off of this. And it's a derivative of what your mother said. But now, did your mother do that? No. They made that construct. It's not you, never right. was you. As you said, you had to spell out proper, right? So wait a minute, that's not me. So now, if they did that, what makes you think you're going to avoid something that you did not create? And why? Do you think you need to if you already know that the birth certificate is what it is? And what is it? It's proof of human trafficking. And it's void of an issue. And if you would take in your mind and look at it that way, and someone asks you for it, say, excuse me, I don't buy myself in, you know, human trafficking, treason, and, and, and fraud and deceit. What makes us think we have to have it is they made us think we have to have it by programming. And that's where the mental programming comes from, <laughs> and the right. mental slavery. Now, so now I don't, I gotta I don't want to miss this opportunity. Yeah. To uh, I just want to allow Sister Anna E to uh, yeah, you know, yeah. greet the family. What's what's the Eric code you said? Um. Yeah, because she was the one who uh, her phone if it wasn't for her phone, and she'd be doing rocking it. Her Eric code is eight six zero. Okay, eight six zero three zero six. Yeah, three zero six. Because you yeah. mentioned human trafficking, and um, like I mentioned to her, you know, when the thing popped off in Ferguson, they were saying that 
the source of income, quote-unquote, Ferguson Police Department is traffic tickets and traffic stops. So this occupying force coming into Ferguson, into this municipality for the, um, quote-unquote, state, and they're milking these people, right, off of these traffic tickets, and that's how they're pulling the fraud, and that's what the majority of what this is about. But if they were government, and if you knew what government was, first of all, you know they're not your government because you can't be a member slash citizen of a union state. They are operating upon your ancestral estate. You domicile, this is your ancestral state, national domicile, North America. If you're in South America, you you say South America. So they're operating upon your land, and any member slash citizens of their union state would not be you. That's that's number one, right? So now, if if we understand that if they if they were establishing themselves as a government entity, we have to remember that the Constitution is the law of this land. So if they went tomorrow and started something, it matters not. As bays and ills, we are to enforce the law on this land and definitely exercise it not practice it, exercise it when someone is violating it against us. Now, here's the thing. If all of us did that, we would not have a problem. Trust, trust and believe. You've right. experienced it. I've experienced it. Trust and believe is true. Now, because so many more are becoming conscious of it, this is why you're having this great divulge of what's really, really been going on because they're nervous. They are nervous right now. They're not going to be able to send their children to college like they used to because we're not standing for it. So I just wanted to add this. Are you aware of Ohio where two or three police departments has been shut down because the insurance underwriters will not insure them because too many people uh, because they're they're violating the people's rights and um when you when you put a lien against them now understand what I mean when I say lien. The lien against them, this is very important and very simple, is the constitution. That is the lien. <laughs> that mm-hmm. is the lien already. It exists already. You know? So they did not Reinstate them. Are you aware that about two or three of them shut down, and and, and probably in more places than what they're uh, letting you know? Yeah, Did you know I was that? not aware of Ohio. I heard of somewhere else though. Yeah, well, they're ha- it's happening everywhere. It's happening everywhere, but um, they're not going to necessarily report it all. Because, see, they're going to sit up there like Hollywood and try to act like everything is everything, you know. And as long as we still listen to them and follow what they put out next, then they know okay, we still have some followers that are members slash citizens of our bureaucrats. That's why we have to, you know, come out of this mental slavery and know who, who's who and what is what. And it has to start by knowing who you are in the honor of your foremothers and forefathers, period. Um, because, you know, and I don't like to get into the thing of, well, we know that some of them are like vigilantes, you know, but when we get into, again, back to the words, uh, when they say that you have a gun charge, as an example, I'm just saying, you know, you, you have a right to bear arms. But when they tell you, well, you have a weapon and you agree that you have a weapon, and then they charge you with a weapon, that's not the same as bearing arms. I just want to throw that out there. It's ultra important that the word is correct because jurisdiction diction, means in its breakdown right words. Jurors is right, diction is words. Exactly. So it's an easy thing for us to 
to do, but we may have a lot of our people who uh, we can say they're not ready, but everybody's forced to make changes, and I feel it, I see it, you feel it, you see it. It's happening, and really we're living through it right now, you know? Yes, and it's it really is. Sister Anna E., are you with us? Yes, I am. Peace and love. Yes, yes. greetings, peace and love. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if you wanted to say something very briefly about these quote-unquote traffic courts before we bring our brother, Mr. Ryan, on. Um, sure, of course. I would encourage everyone to do a little research into the county, which is a, a chartered corporation, um, and also these um, alleged court courts because what you're going to find is that you're simply dealing with a corporation who rents a room inside of a building that's called a court. There is no delegation of authority. They have no, absolutely no authority to exist. And uh, if in law, the first one of the first rules of law is all parties must be identified. And for some time now, we have been misidentifying the state when, in fact, it is the county corporation that has been harassing, stalking, kidnapping, extorting, and and, and, and really, in, in effect, engaging in racketeering. And um, mm-hmm. so if you would do a little bit of research, you will find this out. And just keep in mind that back in the day when they had all the so-called gangsters, um, Rounded up, they, many of them went down because they were receiving income, but they were not producing a product or a service. Today, the gangs are the county, town, township, city, boroughs. They do not provide a product or a service, yet every day they extort finance from the people under threat, duress, and coercion. So that is racketeering. So I would um, encourage the people to put the brakes on all activity and do some diligent research and make sure you are identifying the proper parties because that's been our, that's been a big challenge for us. Islam. Islam. Indeed. All right, family. So yes. let us open the way up and bring forth the sun. We've heard from the mothers. <laughs> That's right. Hey, listen, can you I know? say this, sir? Can I say this? Yes, please. Uh, you, yes. you know, he's very hum- He's a very humble, um, very humble being and very humble soul. And I and I'm honored that he came to my womb. Uh, but you know, when we read the prophet's work, I, I just want to pre 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 you introducing him with. Uh, he's a chapter two son. That's all I'm going to say. Now you just got to go read chapter two. Islam. This long, indeed. So, with no further ado, family, we introduce to you caller from the six zero nine four zero two. Long, long, peace and love, man. Peace. Welcome, my brother. Long, definitely. Um, honored to be here this particular day. Definitely a big acknowledgement to everybody on the line, Mom, Anna, Eve, Red, Blue, everybody. Um, because, man, 
this is your fifth, and I just say congratulations. And um, that's a beautiful thing, how you brought out the consistency. So I just wanted to say, you know, congratulations on your fifth year doing it. Um, because as I recall, and you know, our five national principles, we have five primitive, which is love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice. So for this to yeah. be numer- on the numerology level, your fifth year of doing this, I just want to say congratulations. And, you know, you were talking about the whole inception of things. And, and, and again, I just remember, you know, um, back when the classes started on Wednesday, you know, I recall you all being there to a certain degree and um, to just see y'all take it and, and, and still do the best y'all can to to be in the media and put information out there. I just say congratulations on your fifth year of doing it. It's not my first time on blog, but the first time on your venue, and I'm, I'm definitely thankful to be a part of it tonight. But um, what can y'all Indeed, indeed. Um, y- y'all were talking about, you know, going into the so-called courtrooms and you chop the head of the Magi off and then those people who freeze in fear because of what they heard somebody else do, you know, or didn't yes. do, and therefore they get frozen because of that alone. They don't really, they haven't exercised so I'll say this from my experience, you know, we experience things every day, but you're right. Like, I tried to help people best I could, but I never got results the same way as, you know, doing it for myself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, when you take your life in your own hands to a certain degree, it's just a different feel because it's you. And when you look at that um, references that of the Henry Campbell Black's Law Dictionary, it goes into natural rights. And it goes into how your natural rights depend on your personality. So if you're an appropriate persona or not, or your own proper person, it has a lot to do with the results you're going to get. And definitely thankful when y'all in the building. When we went into that um, on Wednesday about how personal things really can't be done by another. You know, that that fear that is in people, you know what I mean? That fear that is in people, uh, it has to be eradicated or dethroned from within. And from that, you know what I mean, you'll get the the results you want want because sometimes you really have to be the change you want to see. That's true in fact. But um, going into that, I just wanted to quote, you know, one of the prophecies of Noble Dralee, Chapter 44 from the um, Holy Quran, Circle 7. It's a chapter on misery. And number 6 goes into the opinion of man. And it says, the opinion of man can't destroy justice. The glory and the shame, oh, excuse me, custom cannot alter the nature of truth. Neither can the opinion of man destroy justice. The glory and the shame are misplaced. You know, so like sometimes people not comprehending what justice is and they look for it with outside of self because he also says in chapter 3 that the higher self is justice. So, again, you know, looking outside of self for justice um, 
which can't be destroyed by the opinion of man. So you see all these different court documents that bias, you know what I mean, Moors, et cetera, like that doesn't destroy justice. That's not justice. So it's just an opinion, you know. So to see y'all even or, or hear of you even going through that smoke to, to get to that achievement of perfect justice, you know, is a, a beautiful right. thing. But I just would like to go in and into an experience I had. Um, Please do. Yeah, back in 2005, among others, but not too long after that is when I met you all in the flesh via the Wednesday class. But one thing, and we was talking about it briefly, one thing is um, when I went before the magistrate, I was just challenging my first, like, challenge to a magistrate. I was just challenging the fact that from where I was at and what I was shown, like, um, they was trying to exact or extort via threat, duress, and coercion more than 20 notes from me, you know what I mean? And I was looking at the Seventh Amendment of the American Constitution. So I was I was directed from the Wednesday class and everybody involved to look at the Constitution. You know, Mom, thank you all, right? So I looked at the Constitution and he said, go get the judge's oath, so-called judge's oath, because he's a magi, a magistrate, and not even a competent one at that, but when it comes to the municipal courts, as you was mentioning earlier, right, about the Romans that are in these courtrooms because the municipal means a town subject to Rome. So these different municipalities still have an oath to the American Constitution. I went to obtain that. I got a copy of his oath to the American Constitution. So the obtaining the copy of his oath and reading with, with his signature on it and reading the Constitution, the American Constitution, I saw what the law that was really governing the event, you know, I saw what it was. So I was coming from that perspective. Like, I really didn't, I didn't know everything then that I knew now, you know what I mean? Granted, where I'm at in life, but I didn't know everything then that I know now. So um, I, I went before this municipal magistrate and one thing he said to me was that only thing I was thinking of is you're asking for more than $20 and I have a right to a jury trial via the Seventh Amendment of this Constitution and I have a copy of your oath right here. So I went into that and um, he looked at me and he was like, well, just because the Constitution was written doesn't mean we can't have slavery. Now, that's an unlawful <laughs> statement. That's what he said directly. I'm just telling you what's like all of these things are motivations from then to now, you know. And um, right. when he said that, I was like, wow, you know what I mean? But it, it just took me off guard because via the original 13th Amendment with the 20 sections, et cetera, and, and just the law of nature, quote, slavery or servitude is unlawful. It just is. It's against the law of nature. But I didn't really comprehend the, the perspective he was saying it from at the time. But just keeping in mind, and this correlates with what you were saying about getting over that fear via the experience, you know what I mean? So yes. when he when when he said that, I'm like, 
you know, well, I don't know about that, but, um, you know, on this so-called license instrument, you know, I reserved all my rights. He was like, you don't have a right to reserve your rights. And I'm like, what? Like, show me, because at that particular point, like, it was just, like, the most frivolous thing I heard. So I'm like, well, just show me the law that says that I don't have a right to reserve my rights. Of course, they tried to play deaf, dumb, and blind role, but I wasn't coming off of that. Like, I'm like, show, you have to show me that law. And, um, of course, they couldn't show the law, you know. But as I started studying, I really see what he was saying because at that particular time, I was just challenging the fact that, okay, the Constitution says that you can't um, I have a right to a jury trial if you're trying to charge me over $20, but I really didn't comprehend that a Federal Reserve note is not a dollar and what he was meaning by slave. Because um, just right. briefly, it, it, it's a case law on this amongst the Dred Scott case, et cetera, whatnot. Uh, it, it says a slave has no political nor any civil rights while subject to his condition of slavery. And the case law is Amy v. Smith, and that's a Kentucky case. You can check that out, 326, right? And I wasn't thinking of slavery in that sense at that time. I'm thinking ball chain, you know what I mean, strapped to the fence, eating whatever they throw at you, whatever. You know what I mean? But as I understood the political nature of what he was saying, because at that particular at that particular time, I didn't declare my nationality for the record, but I was trying to challenge the law. But the nationality was the remedy for what they perceived as being slavery or me not having any political or civil rights. And not civil rights via the Civil Rights Act, you know what I mean, that they, um, in color of law, established in 1964. I'm not talking about that act. I'm talking about going back, you know, our ancient foremothers and forefathers being the founders of civilization, like those those civil rights, if you will. So I didn't get it like that at that time, but I knew it was a wrong statement. So I, you know, I was shown, and I, again, thanks to my mother, et cetera, everybody that was involved, you know, that um, you write to certain people when things happen because, you can feel when you're violated, but at times you have to put it to the pen for for the point to get across because a lot of uh, truth gets lost in words when you have to argument to be in an argumentative state to get your point across. And um, when you when you put your point in writing, it has a lot of effect on your life because everything goes back to writing, whether you cash in a check. You know what I mean? If somebody wants to see documentation, whatever it is, something goes back, everything goes back to something written. So when you was mentioning about, um, you know, when you had to spell your appellation out, as far as when they asked what your quote name was, because, again, like if you look in the Henry Campbell Black's Law Dictionary, fourth edition, and you look at the definition of name, you know, a name, denotes Christian property or a corporation. And we can never have names being the true lineal descendants of Moors, the, the Aboriginal people of the planet. We're not Christian property. You know what I mean? 
and but but for you to clarify the distinguishment between the um the misrepresentation of the all capital letters and and right. say I am who I say I am, that's a misrepresentation. You know, that's no, yeah, big, I say that I say my appellation is and then I spelled it out. Right, 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 yeah. Because that's that's a um a big matter with them trying to claim for solemn jurisdiction, but not not yeah. just on you, on anybody. You know what I mean? That's yeah, what they do. Absolutely. Us. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I want to those minor, intricate, small points that people miss, and they seem to be stumbling under over. You know, something as simple as that is going to book you. Right, right, right. And, and I bring it back because you was mentioning you were um where it was mentioning everybody who from the earlier days was just getting it in. I, re- I recall looking at a video uh, on YouTube, and it was uh, Red Red Pill, Cheyenne, and another brother, and y'all was going in. And Red Pill was talking about, you know, uh, how the Europeans give, quote, names to different things. So it was ta- he was going in on... Um, the word bird, like how they just give it the name bird, et cetera. You know what I mean? In all reality, he was so right because jurisdiction means right words. You know what I mean? Jurisdiction mm-hmm. is the a right compound to word. Yeah, juris is right and diction is words. So like mm-hmm. when these people identify or call you something that you're not, they're creating an artificial reality. Well, excuse me, That again, that is a, a conflict because it's artificial, so it's not real. It's not reality. But they're creating an artifice, you know what I mean? And all they need is for us to agree to that. So the slavery in the personum jurisdiction comes in. When you look at all their documents, they always try to identify you. But in all reality, when you are analyzing, they never really identify you. They misrepresent you in all capital letters and just the words that they use, putting it on a whole nother vibration than what it is, you know what I mean? Just misrepresenting you, that's the the personum jurisdiction, going back to when you was mentioning, you know, that there was a lot of, quote, slave movies put out in 2013. And um, as my mother had mentioned, there was a lot of keys in those movies too. And going back, you know, with the Treaty of Peace and Friendship, when you look at uh, Django, et cetera, when um, Jamie, when Django and uh, the German linked together, they was in so-called Texas, which I'm glad y'all were there when we pulled up the map. Of, uh, and you already know, though, the, the whole map of so-called Mexico, uh, Mexico, how it goes so far in, into, into the interior of North America and how... Django and the German, they started off in Texas, so-called Texas, which is really not, it's really not a um, European appellation. It comes from the Asiatics, and it means um, friends from Tashis. So that's where they get Texas from. And how the German was telling this man, this more, you know, that um, he was obligated to him because his wife was Brunhilde, she could speak German, et cetera, et cetera. But what it shows is how all really all the Europeans are Germans and they're obligated to us. You know what I mean? 
So it, it's like we go so deep. So even in challenging them, knowing that they obligated to us, you know, it, it just brings a different element and respect and, and um, outcome when you yourself know that. Because, again, when you look at justice, and, and um, it's either internal or external, and the first is a, uh, being the conformity of our will, which is internal justice, and external justice is a conformity of our actions to the law. And their union making perfect justice. And in law, they're colonists, they're foreigners, they came over 1492 and after, you know, et cetera. So they can never have territorial jurisdiction. So what do they do? They divide up the land and call it United States when it's really not. And um, this is where they get the artificial jurisdiction from, well, we could say, oh, we live in Jersey. Well, you live in New York, and it's an artificial jurisdiction. There's no real existence as far as the Aboriginal people of the planet, you know, calling it that. So they create that because, again, jurisdiction is right words. So if they could use an artifice and call it a territory and we agree to that, then it creates an artificial jurisdiction, and that's just what it is. And, you know... That's why, again, language definitely means a lot. It means a lot for us to get the, um, to the position where we really need to be, if you will. That's why I wanted to add on, fam. When, when we look at all of that consistent with each other, like, you know, it, it's imperative for us to make the right claims because, again, you know, when you see people marching with all the situations going on, et cetera, yeah. in the world, yeah. and they're looking for justice outside of self, you yes, know, it they is, are. you know, that it's, it's all internal, which you said earlier. Let me, you know, goes back to knowledge itself. Mm-hmm. let me put this on the record because, you know, there's been a level of contention when I bring this up to people, and I mm-hmm. say, nationality is the issue of the day. And they're like, what? You can't be so simple-minded to think that if we don't call ourselves black Negroes or colored, you know, that things are going to change for us all of a sudden. And I say, I say, understand what I'm trying to explain to you, my brother, okay? Just listen to me. I said, you're going to the state. You're submitting yourself to their jurisdiction to look for justice to begin with. So automatically, you're putting yourself in the jurisdiction. So I'm just saying, can you examine what your status is because you are willingly getting in bed with them, expecting them to kiss you. And then you ain't getting no kiss and you're complaining about it. So I'm like, that's for you to look at because that's where you're looking for your justice from. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. Even if you're even if you're Christian and your Bible tells you different and the state yeah. tells you that they have no relationship with the church, you're subjugating your religion and your God to go to the state for justice. So what power does the state have not only over yourself but your God? That you would subject yeah. yourself to it. So I said, What is your status in that system that you're subjugating yourself to? You need to know that. Because if you're not getting any remedy Maybe it might be an issue with your status, brother. Right, right. 
that's the real thing. But then you got to look at it as like, like I can't be in my own, an emphasis on my own proper person for you because it's not yours. You know what I mean? Like you can't be in your own proper person and for me, like we have to willingly be that each ourselves. You know what I mean? It's a self determination yeah. thing. It's a self determination thing. But indeed if we're both in our own proper person, it strengthens everything that we're doing in life consistency. I mean consistently. So like the more people that make that choice, that self determination, you know, to actually be themselves and, and know the difference in the language, et cetera, of of what these words mean. What does a Negro mean, colored mean, black mean, African American, what's the meaning of these things? You know, it makes the biggest difference in how we uni um unify on the self determination level. That's yeah. That's the first thing they flashing in their face. That's the first badge they hitting them with the badge of color. Boop! Immediately, right out the door, like boop! Oh, you know they got to interject that into the conversation for them to get authority immediately. And then right. once they got that, they just start rolling through it, and then they hand you a blank slate, and you're like, "Well, goddamn!" And I'm like, "Well, goddamn! When are you going to start investigating what this is about and stop getting emotional?" Can I add something here? Um, only Please. because I wanted to interject status. You you yeah. you said that you tell them, you know, maybe you need to look into your status. Well, a good thing to do is look up what what status means. It it it, it means your. And this is gonna simplify everything, and maybe it, people will reconsider it now. It means your relationship to the community. However, it is not a mere relationship, it is a legal one. That definition right there should get them to start thinking because they're going into a, think they're going into a so-called court doing some lawful thing. So maybe that will get them to realize the importance of status, Islam. Indeed. I would also like to add that it also goes on to say that status is synonymous with estate, right? And when we talk about our lineage and, and being the lineal descendants to the land, just for the record, you know, this is from the um, Henry Campbell Black's Law Dictionary, Revised Fourth Edition, page 110, definition of ancestral estates. It says ancestral estates because estate and status go hand in hand. Ancestral estates are such as are transmitted by descent and not by purchase, there being no other consideration than that of blood. That's it. So when you talk about your status, again, it goes back to your lineage nationality because it's also consistent with a state, which is definitely relative to your relationship with the community legally, lawfully, you know. So when they branded us with the Negro, black color, et cetera, you know, that was them trying to take us away from our estate or our status in our ancestral state because it was based off of blood. But they know that Negro, black, color, African-American is not a bloodline. And just going back to, um, you know, a slave having no political or any civil rights, nationality is definitely the remedy for that. 
You know what I mean? Because and domicile is as well. Nationality and domicile go hand in hand because, you know, domicile just means home. And indeed, and in fact, the whole continent is our home. And some even go to say, and it is true, the whole world is our home. So when we look at that, our domicile can only be national opposed to quasi-national. And that's just what it boils down to. This is what determines, you know, our civil status as a people, collectively. Collectively as a people. That's the root word because... You know, these people look at our words, the language we use, and, and, and again, somebody brought to light, and we already know common logic that, you know, not speaking the language of your ancestors makes a difference, but knowing that the language that they're using, you know, came from our ancestors also makes a difference. They just masculine, They just made our um, languages masculine and called it English. And it's just a mixing pot of all of our languages and right words. Can I also interject um, for clarity? Yes. When you said quasi, yeah. When you said quasi-national, there's a lot of people that don't even know what you mean by that. That they uh, know that all states, all states, are quasi-national domiciles. But if your status is a national, you cannot be under the jurisdiction of a quasi-national. Domicile. Right. Right. And if y'all will, I'll just read these definitions on this venue real quick. Yes. Please. All right. That's peace. All right. So um, now the definition of nationality goes into how domicile, domicile determines your civil status. So just analyzing the Henry Campbell Black's Law Fourth Edition, uh, Fourth Edition Dictionary, Page 573, it says a municipal domicile is one which has distinguished from national domicile and quasi-national domicile, has reference to a residence in a county, a township, or municipality, Hayward versus Hayward. And um, remember that municipal means something subjected to Rome. It's a Roman venue. So when you say, I live in the county of, et cetera, et cetera, that was divided and devised by the Romans because they can't divide up the estate and then say it's united. So that's that's just an oxymoron off top. But that's a municipal domicile. It has reference to residence in a county, a township, or municipality. So where are we all at? North America, Northwest of Mexico, planet Earth altogether. That's the territorial jurisdiction. Um, national domicile is the domicile of a person considered as being within the territory of a particular nation and not with reference to a particular locality or subdivision of a nation. So New Jersey, Pennsylvania, California, Massachusetts, New York, all of these are subdivisions of a nation. And they're really just corporations. So we can't live within those boundaries because it's artificial. That, that's not what it is. The math to the land is algebra because it's all really connected. It's one land mass, if you will, yes. only separated by natural borders. So we can't be domiciled and subscribe our civil status to a, a municipal domicile because the Romans did that. The Romans divided up the land and called it 
you know, all of these modern affiliations. But at the same time, for the most part, outside of the um, the 13 colonies, you know, a lot of the so-called state names or affiliations are of Asiatic origin anyway. You know, Wyoming, Kentucky, et cetera, like Mississippi, all of these things came from us. They just incorporated incorporated those words no different than, like, if your mother named you something, you know, and when they say, okay, that's what you named him, quote-unquote, or give him that appellation, et cetera, they misrepresented you know, all caps or whatnot. But that's not really what the essence of what was done, you know, or said was. It wasn't artificial. It could have been true word. But when they put it to writing, they reduce it to writing, you know, if they misrepresent it, that's a whole different ball game. So still on the subject of domicile, because domicile, domestic, home, you know, all of these words correlate, and we're home here. So quasi-national domicile is one involving residence in the state, and again, that's Hayward versus Hayward. So it's like when you understand that the word quasi means almost as if it were, but lacking in reality. There's intrinsic differences, whereas quasi is not real. So the states really are not real. They're corporations. The land mass is real. And we already know it's just fundamental that the the planet Earth been here for billions of years. So we yes. can't take that and then divide these modern names, you know, or Christian property brands that they put on the land and, and say we live within that to put us in a quasi-national jurisdiction, man. Like, that's what's doing this damage. So it goes on to say that to be domicile is established. It means to be established in a given domicile belonging to a given state or jurisdiction by right of domicile. And being as though we are the aboriginal people of the land, you know, by right of domicile, our domicile is national, fam, key to our civil status. But whether we know that or not, you know, when we say we live in Ferguson, et cetera, like that's how they take it, as if you're subject to that artificial jurisdiction, man. So then one of the, so then if I could, one of the people are probably saying, well, what am I supposed to say? Because they're so programmed to say, yeah, I live in New Jersey, I live wherever. You know, when you go into uh, 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 those fake being courts and they'll say, the first thing they do to try to get get your jurisdiction, they'll say, well, what's your address? Well, you already got to know that, it, that you don't live at any of those venues. So you don't have to give them a lesson in law. They, they, they're deemed to know law. It's how you answer. You'll just say, well, I take mail at the following location because that quote-unquote address might be where you take mail at and always put care of in front of it, which immediately means, that it's where you take mail. It is not necessarily where you where you domicile because it's not where you domicile, but it might be where you receive mail. So that's how you answer that. You right. never say, I live there, ever, because you truly live in your body. That's the way to answer that. Same with my name. I'll say, what is your name? Well, name really means it's a corporate tag. So, again, right. you don't have to give them a, a lesson and try to explain all that to them at that point, just say, I am. And now right. you did not submit by words, because remember, words, jurisdiction means words. So that's the answer to begin. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. everything they ask you is a chance or 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 a scheme to see where you are mentally at. Like even when Blue was talking about how the magistrate asked him to spell out his appellation. Oh like, no no no! He, he he asked me to state my name for the record, and I said my oh. appellation is, and I spelled it out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they could I'm put off on on you know in that particular record as a flesh right. and blood being as opposed to you know the stenographer was gonna throw me in all caps and assume jurisdiction and he was gonna tend to railroad me from that point. So right, right. Now, being as though you responded the way that you did, you know, an emphasis on how important it was to distinguish case, lowercase. That's all yeah. jurisdictional in its own nature right there. Right words, personum jurisdiction. So had you not done that, he probably would have tried to smoke you another way. But you know what I mean? The being is that you, being though that you did that, you saw mm-hmm. his reaction. He took it personally, turned red, et cetera, or she turned red, whatever. Yeah, he turned you know, red. But, right, because they operate under the presumption that we are all, quote, slaves, but they know that that's not necessarily true. You know what I mean? So when you... Yeah, when you and talk they're very, language, yes, they're extremely fearful when they come into contact with, uh, you know, with one of us to know and what we are because that wasn't my only experience. You know what I'm saying? So I've had multiple experiences where I know this to be fact. And got that, I got witnesses. So, you know, and those yeah. that have been through it know you. I mean, this is something that you know. So we're just yeah. trying to relate this to the family. Like, look, you are being bamboozled out here. Absolutely. And as a well, result, these Romans are going crazy with it at this point because they are paranoid. And when you got right. this beast cornered and they're paranoid, they're going to do things that are very, you know, it's just sloppy, it's, it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like Animal. Any level of rationale. Yes, yeah, animalistic, you know. Mm-hmm. Them saying that they're going to war with you and all of this on TV. Right. You know. People, you know, and, and, and the the only thing that our people are able to retrieve as a response is, this is racist. Right. It's not this matter, though. You know? Mm-hmm. And they're being very dismissive of the entire narrative. You know what I'm saying? They don't want to look at this for what it is. For yeah, whatever man. reason. You know, because... What we're saying or, or what we're demonstrating tonight has been soiled by others that have unsuccessfully attempted it or just don't have the heart to go through with it, period. And Word. They're going to be like, yo, yeah. It ain't about, I don't know if that, you know, that don't work. Right. You know, what about the Moors that are locked up? <laughs> what about all the Moors who think that's locked up? You know what I mean? That, like, like it. It's 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 an attack on our people altogether, which is the main point to see, you know. And until you make a distinguishment that you're not what they misrepresent you as, because look, any so-called more that's locked up, I guarantee you on their artificial documents, they misclassified them as black. 
and any other brother and sister that may be locked up. You know what I mean? If you look at the records somewhere on there, they they misrepresent us as Negro, Black, or colored people. So that's the main source. That's the main thing that has to be, you know, fixed first. Because if that nationality part is not rebutted and stood on, you know, like I tell you, I, I'm just being honest. I'll bear witness. My cousin had to go demonstrate at a courtroom. And when we got there on the wall, it said meeting room, right? Now, we didn't know it was going to be another more in the building. We was just going to demonstrate and so she could have bear witness and protection. So while we're there, we see a more walking in the building with a fez on. And I'm like, oh, so we happened to know the brother. We just didn't know he was going to have to be in that building. Well, really, he didn't have to be there, but that he was going to be there that same day. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so he was like, yeah, they just took a recess, whatnot, whatnot. So, uh, him and my cousin, they were the last two. My cousin went last. He went right before my cousin, feds on everything. Magistrate smoking. We witnessed it, right? Or he, he, he failed to rebut in the fashion, whereas, you know, he would have, he could have got that rid of, you know what I mean? But right after that. Right after that, my cousin went up and smashed this magistrate. Seven minutes flat, case dismissed. You know what I mean? Hmm. So it's about the yes. energy you come with. You can witness it all in one session, if you will. I saw myself happen just like that. And, um, you know, all due respect to them because they stood up and tried. But, you know what I mean, the magistrates, they know when you're serious or you're not, you know what I mean? And that's just what it is. Yes, they do. So, you know what I mean? So more, more than likely it's that that determines the outcome. Like, how are you coming? You know what I mean? You, ha you, you can't come from a servant perspective with that. Like, you have to come yeah. forced. That's just it. You, so you, you playing checkers and they playing chess. As simple as yeah, that. Right. That's just it. Bottom line. So, yeah. So you can't so, expect you them know. to move your pieces. You know what I mean? You got to move your pieces right. And if you don't, they're going to just checkmate you. That's yeah. it. And, and like, you, it's, it's about spirit. You know what I'm saying? As much as it is about, you know, putting the words down to proceed you and what have you, going in there with that level of spirit where you know where you at and you know what you're involved in. You know what I'm saying? And you know right. that you're going to slay or be slayed. Yeah. Or be slayed. And that's, and that's the attitude that you have to take. So you have to have a certain level of appreciation for life. You know, I've been through near-death experiences, and I've been in the cage. So I know right. that I don't want to be back in that situation. So I'm going to fight for my life. Indeed. And if a person is not going in there with that attitude, that I don't care who you put in front of me and what they look like, what trimmings uh -huh. you put on them, no, you're going down if you're in front of me, if it means my life. And that's the right. attitude that you have to have. Right. Nothing, you know, it can't be anything less than that. Or the magic ain't going to work. Right. Right. 
I wanted you to do this, and then we're going to go to the um, callers because we have a lot of hands up in our call queue. You did a, a excellent demonstration of explaining some of the early Moorish history in the Americas. I thought that that was profound. I heard some things I've never heard before. And a lot of people are grasping in regards to, you know, trying to find these quote-unquote proofs to prove it to themselves. Right. Me and my brother, we kind of got an advantage. You know, our um, our surname is Moreland, so, you know, that's that's part of our appellation. So we, you know, we, it don't take too much convincing. Uh, other other people, other people are still attached to this particular narrative. You know, mm-hmm. even they had an article that came out the other day, and they show Florida connected. They show Africa connected to Florida, and they said now we have insurmountable proof that you know the continents were one connected, and Florida was part of Africa, and this that, and the other. You know, what I'm saying people still, for some whatever reason, can't put it together because, of course, you know they um they only know what they know, and majority of our family only know the slave narrative. Indeed, indeed. I, you know, I would suggest, yeah, I would suggest that people study RV Bank publications. And again, I mean, this is this a beautiful day, bro. On a holy day, Friday, um, my first book just came out today. You can pick it up on RV Bank wow. com. It's called who are Moors, Americans, Asiatics, and it was so consistent in in fact exhibiting with um, Are You in Denial of Your Ancestry Part 1, if anybody ever heard of that book, rvbaypublications.com. You could pick both of those up, but it just came out today, and I'm, I mean, I'm glad to break the news on this venue. With oh, you absolutely. Indeed, everything lines up. Yeah, it just is what it is. But again, thanks to my mom. Um, but 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 when you look at when if you go into that, it's a lot explained within that on the subject that you were just talking about, as far as the land being connected, et cetera, and and going into our earlier history about who we really are and in our connection all over the earth. Um, I I, I definitely put in. A lot of thought to that. Not not much, but enough to to um, correlate all of these different facts that exist from consistent study. So again, when y'all was talking about consistency, I say congratulations again because I comprehend what that means to have a, a a vision, a goal, and say you know what this has to be achieved, and not even know why. Feel like you don't really want to sometimes. You know what I mean? But you just yes. know it has to be done, and you just stay on that. And, and again, um, man, thanks to my mom, that's available now, www.rvbaypublications.com. Um, it will definitely cover a lot of that, but we could discuss anything, bro. Like, what is... Yeah, I just, you know, you could briefly run through it, you know what I'm saying, just give them a sample of what you're offering in the book. And they can get the hope because a lot of what you provide is visual in regards to this. Right, so absolutely. I think, yeah, they, they absolutely 
need the book and they need it for their own personal catalog, their own personal library, and their own, you know, they need it. They need to have this information on cap. Absolutely, so, man. Yeah, it's it, you know, it, you can just touch on some final points. Yeah, the inspiration of it again was a lot of things that was discussed tonight. Um, just looking back, reflecting, you know what I mean, from the early days of when everything was going, like everything first, not everything first formed, but just as far back as I can remember doing the classes or, or being at the classes, shall I say, on Wednesday, you know, and um, looking back from that experience with the Magi saying that they couldn't have slavery from then to now, 10 years later, it's like, I saw what he was saying in a whole different perspective. And um, just the, the, the essence of jurisdiction, right words, you know, because jurisdiction, again, is a compound word, and it means right words. And going into how, you know, they, mis, they, they branded and misrepresented the natural people of the land as Indians, Negroes, blacks, or colors. And I'm like, look, I'm talking to all our people who think that they could be that. I know that we can't, but the work itself, you know, puts that beyond dispute and beyond a reasonable doubt with straight facts. Not that it hasn't been presented, but just from independent study and just studying hard, thing I could get my hands on, I, I just put pieces together, whereas the picture is, is definitely exhibited to the fact that we are Moors and we are not Negroes, Blacks, or Colors. It's not because I said so. It's because that's the fact. Prophet Noble Ali told us that, you know, uh, over 100 years ago. And it's, it's one thing to hear something and be like, well, I don't know about that. Or, oh, it sounds good. But when you get the reference points and you can go examine it, from references yourself and do your due diligence, I, I, it, it makes a whole different acceptance and, and connection to these different facts. So, from just everything I could I, I, I could do, study and find out about you know how we're not Negroes, how we're not black, how we're not colored. What did these Aboriginal people of the land look like? You know what I mean. All of it is in yes. there. You know what I mean? How who some people assisted some people assisted these Europeans, you know, in fighting each other and infighting. You know, it goes into different aspects of who was these people that was fighting with the Europeans, who were they fighting? You know, because we were really fighting each other which caused the infall and um it helped the Europeans gain rise and even the Europeans had infighting with each other. So it hasn't always right. been just one party versus one party. You know what I mean? It's right. been so it's right. been co-ops. I want to but, use that point you made mm-hmm. to segue a question to your mother. Mm-hmm. Being that you know you're very astute, Sister Mariah, with the cycles, the solar cycles, and things of this particular nature. Um, and we know that this was also the same condition in Moorish Spain, okay, when the Europeans came, and they were able to uh, assume a level of um, power 
over that particular demonstration at the time, you see a cyclical repetition in regards to what we're going through right now. Like, is this, is this just it repeating itself? The fact that you have so many more factions that are infighting, the fact that you have organizations that can't get on the same page, you know, the fact that there's certain organizations that won't gravitate to this information because their leader didn't tell them this, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, the Inquisition first, is right at the door. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, right, that's interesting because first and foremost, we have to remember the mission that the prophet gave, and it was fallen humanity. So we have, as as was stated, we were fighting each other. We were fighting each other, really. And um, really, ever since we created, and that's a whole other class, but ever since we established being out of nature, which are these Albions, you know, um, we, we, we've, we've had trouble because we've been trying to civilize them, provide for them, you know, come out of treating them because they are, they are the slaves born into uh, slavery, not us. They are at our hands, all right? They're the Slavics and the germ, German, meaning germ, a petri tree, you know, a petri dish, germs. That's why they right. germ in. So we have paid a karmic debt for that, and we have uh, suffered, um, we are suffering from fallen humanity, and that was one of the things that the Prophet Nehemiah Ali had said, you know, to uplift fallen humanity. And that has to be, that's uplifting man, which is mine, so this is a mental slavery for us that we actually, um, on ourselves. So now we're getting into the divine of it, you know, because it's divine and national. So yes. truth and falsehood is strangely mixed. So the question being asked is really a spiritual one. It's really a a a a the the answer is as you said cyclical because there's no such thing as time, just cycles. The cycle that's coming in now is absolutely the cycle of as I had said early earlier uh, many go are going to and fro um, in the earth seeking knowledge, and knowledge shall increase because this is our rise from fallen humanity. The, really, the Albion, or what people want to call, you know, the, the, the modern European, they are really a consequence <laughs> to our own doing. And they took quite advantage by uh, of that, and of us not knowing. So during the time in which they enslaved us, because we're not slaves, never were, during the time that they enslaved us, you know, and they have a nature about them, you know, all that lives does want to live. They're the only people on the entire earth face that really has no tie to any land. That's why they always have to be granted things. That's why they always had to adopt the constitutions and adopt things. They're the ones that this and this is where we have to know our history so that we can um get back to that space of place of knowing and then we can take our place amongst what? The affairs of man. Affairs of man. Have, yes. 
the affairs of man. So we have to do reflection and because man's business is about reflecting and see what is what and who is who and what happened. So what they did um, after they enslaved us and they were straight out uh, animalistic and, you know, the, the killed your mother and father and took the child and said you, that they were a Negro and you, you grew up in that way. You know, we orphaned our own children. We orphaned our own children in the fighting sometimes. So... You know, so we're living that out, and this other stuff is a consequence. Why? Because it really is not real. It is artificial. Everything they put before you is truly artificial. So you see how much we have to cipher through in order to get back to that center and that place, and it must be obtained by knowledge. We have to know. Again, we're in this age of information where many, uh, where knowledge will increase. And so, yes, as far as do I see it repeating, no. I, I, a lot of people will say that, and a lot of people will rest their laurels on that and won't try for them for themselves or for others. Oh, they're not going to do nothing. Oh, we're just going to just keep doing the same thing. And that's because we miss the history, the heritage of what had, what, have, what has happened so that we can know and do what? Instill it into the children that we bring here at all costs, which is what Prophet Noble Jirali said. Um, and since man is mine and we will return in this, you know, we're going to drop this fleshy body, but we'll, be, we'll have to come back. Some people don't want to come back or what have you, but you may have to come back to help others because the way of ascent is the way of descent. And if we want to rise to our higher selves, knowing that we have two selves, which is a higher and lower, then we have to rise our consciousness. And although you and I may, and anyone else out there, it may appear to, we're not, well, I'm not going to see it in my days. key that I would give to people is stop thinking for what you, you're going to get yours right now. Start thinking for posterity. That's why even in the um, adopted constitution that we gave, them to adopt, which is imbued in civilization principles, ancient principles of civilization, um, it says for posterity, because all of us, our ancestors return. So we're going to see it, and it's going to be like a blink of an eye, really. But if your mind is on getting this European concept that, that we've uh, taken, getting yours, and you don't know that if you if you serve man, you will be you will be taken care of by the universe and, you know, and that this work is for us to take our place amongst the affairs of man. So I don't say that it's not, you know, uh, even though I see our people falling and I I would also remind people that when you do see others, and I think this is going to help a lot, when you do see others who do untoward things and they're your brethren or your sister and they do untoward things, just remember this, that we are in this place of fallen humanity and we, and we are to uplift fallen humanity and keep it moving. Word. If I could add on please. to that, please, if I could yeah, briefly just add on to that. Oh, okay, go ahead, bro. No, 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 I'm going to let you out. I needed to drop a bomb on that. <laughs> I'm gonna let it air out. You know what I'm saying? It, it's it's ethereal. I'll drop it after you make your <laughs> comment. All right. 
No, I, I just wanted to add on with that in, in conjunction with the fact that we are now in the sun cycle. It's a book called The Light of Egypt, like um, Volume 1, Light of Egypt, Volume 1. And in there they discuss these sun cycles and, and these planetary governance, whereas before we went into the sun cycle 1881, we were in the Mars age. And um, it said it was predicted that it's going to be one last war, like world war. And and I think that's what we're staring in the face of now. And I was just saying, look, if it is, we might as well get it over with. I mean, because it just is evident, you know. But that's what it says in that particular book. I just wanted to make that known for the record. That's all fair. But but I think I, I I think that is happening. I think that like you said, we're in it now because it's really civil. Yeah. It's a civil unrest, and some of us out here, some of you listening, are protected and from it, uh, provided you don't go outside. And provided you don't go outside marching, but we're seeing the blood in the street already. It's already happening. <laughs> you know, right there on TV across the whole planet. So. It's just, it's not like what we probably thought it would be like, but we're in it now. We're experiencing it. Absolutely. And I think this is it. After this, this this is over, you know. I want to hear what you wanted to drop at that, brother. (laughs) Oh, me? Yeah. I was was, uh, exclamating the point. And just dropping the bomb for it, but my board is acting a little shifty right now. Oh, you mean a rid of your sound bomb? Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I got, I got you. Know, all right. Islam. Islam, yes. Hey, Islam, I just wanted to make one comment because, um, you know, we're talking about this new energy that we're moving into, and, um, we need to be clear that what we have to do in this time, at, in the, in in this age, is um, there is a there is a war that is coming. Actually, it's already here. It, it's in progress. <laughs> um, so we have to. So the war is in progress, but we have to be clear. And if we look at our history, this war, it is not a physical war. This is a war of mental dexterity, meaning we have to, This the only way that we're going to make it through this next phase is if we discipline our minds, because all of this is created and exists only in the mind. That's why the prophet says it's a mental, um, it's a mental war, or it's mental enslavery, enslavement. It's mental enslavement because we um, are creating this reality individually and collectively. And the way yes. to get out of it is to discipline the mind. So this war. Yeah, that is in progress. It's not a physical fight. So 
I know all you sons out there, y'all want to go out there and, you know, fight because that's what y'all love to do and you're very good at it. But the fight really is with self and it's to discipline the mind. So that's what we have to get busy doing. As soon as we discipline our mind, the thing will be over in the blink of an eye. Sister Anna E. Yes. Would that be reminiscent of the biblical passage that speaks of the war, the spiritual war, higher principalities? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Because we have to know. Look, chapter one of the Holy Circle Quran, it says that man is mine. That man is mine. Man is mine. That means everything is created and exists in the mind. And that actually was what that movie, The Matrix, was trying to tell everybody. Everything existed in the mind, and you can move in and out of the mind, the various different constructs that we set up. So to do our diligence and study and know how these um, foreigners operate, that's one phase. It's, very, it's, a, it's really a, a smaller phase of the overall picture because the, the bigger picture is we have to discipline our minds because they know especially with the sons out there, they know how to push your buttons. And the only way that they're not going to be able to take advantage of us on a whole by pushing these various buttons is if we discipline our mind and we choose not to participate. Mm-hmm. And you know what else? Um, what would be good to to? Uh, I don't know, brother, have you seen the movie Lucy? Mm. Have you seen it yet? Yes. 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 That that can be a whole another uh, show on that one. But uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, we create our own realities. Mm-hmm. We really do that, and that and that's why the words that come out of your mouth is fertilizer for the thoughts, or for the seeds, and the seeds are the thoughts. Indeed. Yeah. Mhm. So Indeed. some of us Indeed. are going through this. War. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh no. Oh, I thought somebody was saying. I'm just saying some of us are going through this war, and we're in different places. You know, we're where man finds himself where he can solve his problems best, and you're going to be where you need to solve your problem best or learn your lesson best. And that's all that really matters for your ascension of the mind. It's fine. Wow. Yes. So, Brother um, Ms. Ryan, uh, did you finish your summary, or you still had a little bit more to go before we get to the callers? Oh, no. All due respect, we, we could definitely go in for days. But I know we are limited time, so um, I, I definitely yield the floor to the callers, fam. Okay, absolutely, family. Any questions, comments, or concerns? Now is the time to press one on your phone. We are going to be going to the callers on the line to see what's on your mind. Before right. we get into that, can I make a statement, please? Yes, please. If do. I may. 
Yeah, I just wanted to um, also add on to the conversation that Sister uh, Roz and um, Sister Anna E was having about the mind, and um, I also wanted to speak about the uh, the genius of Noble Drew Ali when he spoke about the power of love. Now, when I say that, I want to speak about the power of the heart. Okay, and some of the research that I've been doing, it speaks about the power of the heart, okay, being um, the center that emanates the most energy from our bodies and the effect that the, uh, that our, that our, the, the law of resonance, the effect that our heart and our feelings, the, and our, the emotion, the energy and emotion that rests within our heart, um, our beliefs and all of these things that rest within our heart going all the way back into ancient Kemet where they speak about um, one's heart being as light as a feather in order to, you know, be um, accepted into, quote-unquote, heavens. And, um, you know, so we speak about the mind, but we also speak about the heart. And we also speak about being able to um, exemplify the principles of love being able to love one another, being able to, you know, love um, our neighbors, you know what I'm saying? Even at times of war, loving ourselves and loving our people, you know what I mean? And, and going into war with love rather than hate, you know, and the destructive manners of what hate, of what hate will do to one and seeing our people suffer and seeing generations of our people suffer and seeing, you know, um, nations suffer because of the self-hatred and the fact that a lot of our hearts are heavy, a lot of our hearts and a lot of our minds have been enslaved with, like Sister Anna, you were saying, the lack of discipline. Because we live in this electrified age of the Internet where, you know, a man with no discipline is a slave to the Internet. He will be under all kind of attacks. You feel what I'm saying? Because everything is at its fingertips. There's no, you know, there's no level no of, uh, yeah. hmm? It's no filters. There's no filters. So not only will he believe what that, whatever he or she reads, whatever's put in front of him or her, but, you know, he will, he or she will be able to explore any of their wildest fantasies, any of their um, weaknesses and things of that nature, it will begin to take them over, okay? Um, because we live in this era of um, media that we don't control, and that there's, I grew up in an era where there were five channels or six channels. Now there's 600 channels, and all of the TV shows, the majority of them, for anybody who uh, watches TV, cable, things of that nature, we know that the depictions that they have of our people are one of a completely negative state. When they tell our history, it's from a revisionist and a reconstructed standpoint. It's done to put us in an inferior mind state, and it's never going and it has never told our proper story. So, although the slave narrative, the movies that carry the slave narrative, have gems of truth in them, overall the main um, purpose of those movies are to um, program the subconscious because time 
is not linear. Time is centrifugal, so everything is happening at once. So if they put you in, if they if they come out with these movies, The Help, The Butler, Twelve Years a Slave, Roots. They did, I just saw an article where they said that they're going to create a root a Roots miniseries now. All of these movies, they never you you won't see the European in bondage anymore. Okay, you won't see the European in his in his uh, in his natural state that he was in in the 1800s. 1700. They're giving that. They're doing movies like Exodus and Moses and all of these other Noah and all of these other movies that are subliminally programming people's subconscious to put them in a seat of history that they ne- they never were in. They they were never in. But because all is mental, if we agree to that in these days and times, if the melanated people who are viewing these movies agree to that, then that's what it is. And if we agree to the images that they're depicting us in in the past, and we agree to that, that we were in an inferior state, then that's what it is, and it will reflect in the present day time, and it will affect our future as well. So the uptick... Yeah, you're right, and that's exactly what has occurred, because it's like the prophet said, hey, wake up. You are in a mental slavery. And I I hear what you're saying. You're saying the effects of that is what we're looking at. So now what that means, I would think, is that we're looking at just how much work has to be done. A lot of people will be recycled, but the damage that will come as a result of twisted minds is what Mm -hmm. we're looking at now. Right. And so what is the resolve to that? You know, one of the resolves to that is that we start – not uh we have to start i don't I don't even like to say we have to start somewhere because everybody starts in the same place coming through, and that is through the womb, so the mothers will have to start redirecting and 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 uh, uh children are going to do that's why our answers are that's why this is about birth rate, you know what I'm saying because you're right, yeah. the damage is done it's like we already got damaged goods, right. Um, not necessarily. I would say that the work is being done. I would say that, you know, <laughs> I would say because remember that they're, they're utilizing mediums and they're utilizing different um, avenues rather to do their programming, such as entertainment. But, yes. you know, we live in, in this, the same way that we live in this electrified um, age that Noble Drew Ali spoke about, Okay. We also have the power, because we live in this electrified age, we also have the power to redefine our history, and thus doing so will redefine our present and our future. So at the end of the day, the the work that's being done on multiple fronts by multiple individuals and multiple schools of thought and knowledge is the quote-unquote resistance to that matrix. It is the resistance, because if, if that didn't exist, it would be completely tsunamied and washed. Our people would be in perpetual, we would be on physical plantations if that did not, if, if that if that didn't exist, if, that, if there was imagine? no fight, if there was no push. Huh? Could you imagine? <laughs> I don't even want to imagine that. You feel me? Yeah, we are on physical. You ask me, some people still are on physical plantations. 
No, because they are. I'm I'm speaking about I'm speaking about if they let's let's exclude a noble Drew Ali out of the picture. Let's exclude an Elijah. Let's exclude a Marcus Garvey. Let's say that they never existed. Let's say that they never put in that kind of work a hundred years ago. Where would our people be right now? Let's just say they just gave you preachers, they just gave you pimps, they just gave you anything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. You know what that's interesting because I had a conversation with Todd once about uh, this whole, I said, why do we even create this sparring? No, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to go back to, you're talking about exclude this, exclude that. You're right. Think about it for a second. And he was saying, well, if we hadn't, like, now, now a sister in Valorant, when I went to her, her classes, she said, look, we created them to absorb our karma. And so mm-hmm. what came was what would have happened, and, and what Todd that is, what would have happened to us had we not done that? So it kind of goes along the same line of what you say now. What would happen to us had we not? You know, that's like right. the thing. That because, yeah. <laughs> exactly, because, you know, for one who has been to the bottom, you know, who's hit rock bottom, you know, or one who has been through adversity. They speak about the power of adversity. They speak about, you know, the power of resistance and what it would do to, you know, the individual who is um, who's putting up that resistance. Or we could just use the analogy of, the, of coal and the pressure that eventually creates the diamond, you know. Mm-hmm. So I would say that, you know, I've been challenged many times in my life. And I can't fathom who I would have been if it were not for those challenges, correct? Right. And, and what yeah. it did, what it did for, what it did to me to create the person that I am now. And my many reincarnations. I'm not just speaking about this lifetime. I'm speaking about yeah. multiple lifetimes, and I'm speaking about you know the journey that I've, I'm, I'm currently on. You know, not having the resources that I want not being materialistic, you know, uh, 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 having thousands of dollars in my pocket like I did when I was younger, but I had no purpose and I had no goal and I had no aim at that point. I had no responsibilities, you know what I mean? But now I do. So what is making me more creative It's making me invent more. It's making me come up with more ideas. You feel what I'm saying? So as a people, because we're in this situation, because we're in this position, because we have so much pressure on us, the mm-hmm. only thing that it can create is a diamond at the end of the day. There's nothing you else. You know what? You're absolutely right, and I have to say this. What you just did is uh, a lesson also on reflection because, like you said, there's many people out, out there who've had it all or quote-unquote had it all, didn't know what to do with it or whatever. And I say that if it's something that you truly want to possess, there is a flip side to everything, right? That's the polar, the polarity to it. And if you really, yes. really want it, you got to know the other side. So for, for, so for a situation where, yes, I had it all, I would say that a person has to know how has to have experience to be without, without and to be right. with, mm-hmm. and to be with in order to truly appreciate whatever it is that they uh, desire to have. So that is a part of that cycle, and it does make, it's like this, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Stronger. So <laughs> it just goes back into the analogy of who we are, what we not to have, 
as a as a as a people, as a as a as a civilization, we were the haves, and we knew of the have-nots. We could point out, we could point them out, like, oh, the have-nots, they're over there. Look in the mountains, you see them? Those are the have-nots. So I'll tell we, you this, how we're going to end that one. I mean, how, how, well, we're going to go back to a quote that Prophet Nova Drew Ali said, so we can know what truly is, what we truly possess, which, which um, we're endowed in grace with, because he said, and I, and I was trying to figure this out, and I think I got it now. He said, you are rich. My children. You are rich, my children. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's all inside of us. Exactly. You know, it is all inside of us. And the reason why the Moorish narrative has been therapeutic and it helped evolve me, it helped, you know, it, it helped me um, unroll. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, you know how you peel layers off of an onion? It helped yeah. peel layers off of me and helped me wow. find my core Wow! because it, what it did is it replenished a destroyed, a destructed, and a broken history that was given yeah. to me, and that was my ball and chain. That prevented me from envisioning a future because they destroyed my past. Wow. In public schools and things of that nature, they destroyed my past, and it affected me in the present. I didn't have any self-worth. I had self-hatred. I couldn't. I, I had no anchor. I had no foundation to look back and say that I was hoisted to anything because they told me that I was nothing, that I brought nothing to the table, that I was worthless. So by I doing had... such, I didn't want to exist in the future. It didn't matter to me. Because the present creates the future. It creates the future, but the past, you anchor to your past. Thank you. That's what the Moorish narrative did for me. When I was able to dive into my past and reconstruct my my true history, because it spoke to me, I saw myself there. I I I could put the book down and go to sleep, and I was there, and I didn't have to read it anymore. The, the, The reading just reaffirmed the history that was hidden. The same mm-hmm. way that you could pick a book up that you read 10 years ago and the book is reading you. You're like, oh, sh- I'm living this right now. <laughs> oh, that's deep, too. You and know that's how a I fact. see it? I see this energy. Because you are the book. I, exactly. And you know what? You are also the teacher. The, stu- the, the, the mm-hmm. teacher appears when the student is ready because the student then becomes the teacher. And, you know, that's that's a fact. And I see this this energy as um, this ancestral, spiritual, divine energy that 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 is with us now, as an energy that's really coming from the future. Of course, it is to the past, to the present, to the present. It comes the past. Yes. <laughs> of course, it is, and 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 that's exactly what the prophet spoke about as well. Because you don't know where he came from. You don't know if he came from the future and back into the past. Because where time travels, we're navigators, and and time is is like I said, it's centrifugal, it goes in circles. So let's keep that in mind. So by restoring the empire that once was. The work that you do every Wednesday, the work that you do on Tuesday on the radio show, the work that Taj has been doing all around, you know, going state to state, the work that all of the Moors and everybody else who's dedicated, the Ivan Van Sertimas, the John Henry Clarks, the Dr. Benz, all of them, the Ivan Vans, the the, the Renault Goals, they're repairing 
and restoring and restructuring that empire because we're not just speaking about physical empires that were destroyed. We're speaking about the subconscious, the mental, the mental divisions. We're speaking about those empires that were destroyed. We have to rebuild them in our mind, and then we will be able to affect our future. And our future is hollering back at us like, keep banging, keep doing your things. You already made it. You won. Yes, but there's yes. work that you have to do now. You just can't slide into the future, you know. You know, there's yes. work that you have to do because when you look back into the future, did your ancestors not put in work for you to be where, even if you don't agree with where you're at right now, you're not comfortable, you know, with your 100-inch TV screen and all of this other stuff, you know, and, and stuff, things are kind of rough. But like this. Through, you through are on the all. other side of the future separated by a wall, Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have the tenacity, if given a spoon, to chip mm-hmm. away through that wall? Mm-hmm. Free on the other side. Do you have well, it you're in gonna you? You're going to have to. You're going to have to. You know why? Because there's only three types of people that's going to be dealing with this energy. That's dealing with this energy. There's the type that has always kept the truth to word. There's the, the, the one that had never knew. A lot of us never knew, but here's your opportunity to know however. You're gonna to have to chip that wall. You're gonna to have to go through some, through some stuff to get to some stuff. And then there's that third person who knew this truth and turned their back on it, and that's eternal damnation for them. And that's it. Is you is you is you right? Which where are you? Because that's it. It's only three times. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So please mm-hmm. let us let us get to the callers. I don't want the uh, feed to cut off before we do. Allow right. our illustrious body of listeners to get their inquiries in. So let's start with calling from the two one three eight zero four. Two one three eight zero four. It's my brother Buddha. Peace. Hey yo, peace to the family of nation. Yo, peace to the elder sisters on the line and the um, see the brothers. They um, have inspired in the show tonight. I just had a. Yeah, man, I just had a few comments, man. It's good to hear that there's other people out there to be building. I love how they addressed the law. They got back to the science of the people and understanding the Constitution as the supreme form of regulation for these corporations and their industry. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about that I don't think was clear to the people is that they don't understand that when the more actually goes into court, we open our own court within the courtroom. Mm-hmm. And when we open our own court, that's where we are responsible for presenting evidence. And if we just go into the court as a defendant in their courtroom, we're not opening our own court simultaneously as their court opens because it's a dualistic thing going on. And you can have two courts open in the courtroom at one time that we're reduced to um, forcing them to present evidence. And that if we present evidence, we're actually going against the burden of the court if we're just a defendant and we haven't opened our own Morris courtroom where we can enter our platform as one of the people and actually address the Constitution. Other than that, if you're in a traffic court or any quasi or any Nisi Prius court, you're not, you don't have our court open, so you can't really speak with our format. The other thing I wanted to talk about is um, how 
one of the things that led me to this science was the fact that there's two words I want to get in the vernacular for the people out there is we always talk about Negro, black, and colored, and we don't understand that prior to those designations being entered in the law book and the ethnographs, when you study what they what we refer to as black people or the people in the family of nations here, they called us Afro-Americans. They didn't say African-Americans. It was Afro-Americans. You can look this up. I it was a, I know that Afro-American, yeah. I was, I was living at that time. <laughs> yeah. it, it, was, it was a unified term. And when they entered this, I studied this, and it came from the ethnograph, and it came from the fact that they knew that this was part of Africa. And certain people that were here were the Afro-Americans, and the American part was part of a transition. And the... Uh, Original name that they referred to what we call Native Americans and Indians was Amerindian. And those people were the people that came after they designated this as as America, and then they would be called the Amerindians. And they dropped the American part from their name as they got more um, convoluted in the politics of this country to become Native Americans and Indians, and people don't understand that. So I want people to get those words in the vernacular and understand that the actual autochthonous or Aboriginal or Indigenous designation for the black people on this continent was the Afro-Americans, and that would get them more into the science of what we were talking about. And the other thing I wanted to build on is when y'all were talking about the movies, and one one thing I haven't heard anybody build on the movie with 12 Years of a Slave is that they never referred to the slaves as slaves in the movie. It was called debt or niggas. And the fact that the movie referred to the black people in incarceration at the time as debt gets back to our whole conversation about the law and one of the reasons um, y'all's mention of the movies to me was very inspiring. And the last thing I wanted to ask y'all is the actual question, is um, when the Moors were shipwrecked in the Delaware Peninsula, which became the Canaanite Moors, and their status as shipwreck allowed them to breach the empire, and then it was those Moors that uh, amalgamated, I should say, with the Moors that were already here that allowed the European platform to come in because once you're shipwrecked and you break with the empire, that gives you a certain status of autonomy where no one can place a claim on you, and now you can recreate a different national status and international law that the Europeans piggybacked on um, under the law of admiralty because once you're shipwrecked, all your claims and liens um, after a certain amount of time disappear, meaning you don't have no more national allegiance to the Barbary states, and you could create an independent state that the Barbary nations at the time would recognize based on customs and based on the spiritual traditions and connections with the Moors was here that could give you rights to come in and establish what we call the foundations of the American 
Corporation and the first United Congressional um, Assembly or Congress and um, um, Congressional Congress assembled or whatnot. So that was the main question I had. I hope that wasn't too convoluted. But after that, I'm done. Um, yeah, Miss Dad, you can comment on that. Go ahead. Nah, I just wanted to to um, make a reference to when he was talking about Amer Indians and Afros, Afro Asians or Afro Americans, like all of those were brands. And the story of the um, Moors shipwrecking in the um, in the Shikabi territory which they call um, Delaware today. It was really Irish people who shipwrecked, but Moors was always here before that shipwreck. And that's what we really need to know. But I just wanted to make this quick statement, and I'm reading from this proclamation. You may may be familiar with it, but it's from the Atlanta City Council in honor of Moorish American Week. This was 2013. I'm pretty sure some more came out this year. I haven't seen them yet. But um, it says, whereas the Moorish Americans, whose ancient forefathers are the mothers and fathers of the human family, stand in these days as a comedy of descendants from the ancient Moabites, Hamatites, and Canaanites, who are permitted by the old pharaohs of Kemet to traverse from East Africa and later formed kingdoms extending from the northwestern and southwestern shores of Africa, the Atlantic Islands, onto the present-day continental Americas. And whereas the Moorish Americans are teaching their people their true nationality and divine creed, that they may become better citizens, and no, and no, they are not Negroes, colored folk, black people nor Afros because these names were given to slaves by slaveholders in in 1779 and lasted until 1865. So I just want to say like... Let me me put the call out for the call. If you have a minute, family, uh, 347-637-2135. Please call us if you want to continue past the live stream, 347-637-2135. Please call us now. Please continue. Oh, true, indeed. So whereas it says that, um, you know, we are not Negroes, but um, colored folk, black people, nor Afros, you know what I mean? Like these were the, the brands that was put on us to put us in the subjugated juris- uh, status and jurisdictions. So like oh. American Indians is something that the Europeans created Oh yeah, no, no, I, I, I no, no, brother, brother, brother. I agree on, with you. Say this, my good brother. No, no, no. I agree with you, brother. What I'm saying is that I understood from them using those brands that there was something else going on prior to that because those were words that weren't in the vernacular because I was only used to Negro, Black, and colored. You know what I'm right. saying? A Native American Indian. So when I got into the research of actually those names, it led me that, yo, wait a minute, there's something else going on and how they chose to put these words together before we got those other terms. You understand me? Because those were the original original brands, if you want to put it that way. 
And so what I'm trying to tell people, if they want to get further deep into the history, is to place those terms in their vernacular so when they do their research, it'll go further back than those um, colored terms that we keep giving them. You understand me? And they'll find more information along the lines of what we agree about because I agree with the proclamation and everything you wrote. And I'm just saying this to clarify the people. I'm not trying to get caught up in actually the brands that they gave, but not domestically in where the research for they can get inspiration to understand what to do when they're standing in the courtroom, you understand, with this fear and get further, yeah. further, deeper in their research. That's the only reason right. I say place those yeah. in the vernacular. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely, good brother. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and brother. I'm, yeah, because we're right on the same page. I just want that to be clear with the, the family and nations oh, out there. I already know. I was about to get to something and, that, that correlates and, with what you were saying. If, and if the I other thing I wanted to, to, to clarify is when you said the, the Irish thing, I understand that. Like, I've built on that before with the people. But my whole question was, is that the concept of the law? You see what I'm saying about right. the admiralty and shipwreck and you losing the liens and the rights to the empire and this, this, and that, and then setting up this false operation to give the people more of a clarity on on a, where did this come from if we were already here? You get what I'm saying? Where did this game come from? Because gang recognized game. And we talked to a lot of street people out here, and when you say these people were more intelligent than us or used technology, you know, it's a lot of street people that I talk to that they like, well, you know, the goddamn white man was smarter. And we have to counteract that. Yeah. Right, right. This is what I'm saying, and I'm absolutely I correlate with you on that, 100%. But what I was trying to add on is that, yeah, you know, um, they they went through a reconstruction era and went through a period whereas, if they heard of anybody reading or writing, they either killed them or reduced them to being a notary, like that was it. But whereas, you was talking about court and international. Um, law, I just wanted to add on the reference when you was talking about, you know, um, it could be two types of courts in session, but you don't have to go in there for the real court to be in session is what I was getting at. But this is what applies in international law, and I'll explain. But first I want to say this is from the Henry Campbell Black's Law Dictionary, page 425, wherein it states, in the definition of court, that court in international law is the person and suite of the sovereign, the place where the sovereign sojourns with his regal retinue, and regal is royal. So with his royal retinue, wherever that may be, all right? So wherever the royals or the nobles are at, that's where court is in session. You don't necessarily have to go into one of those venues. But the key part to that right there was that that's an international law. And whenever Moore is dealing with these people, international law is already the primitive factor of the situation. But are people being Moors in fact? Because, I mean, the definition of Moore, dark-skinned person, and you can reference Barry W. Encyclopedia Heraldica, and it gives some derivatives of Moore. But any dark-skinned person, 
you know, or or you go into the definition of American, and it goes into the copper complexion people. Like, these are national appellations that belong to us. So when they brand us Negro, black, and color, we can't go or, or open up court in international law. Amera, Indian, all of these were brands that they put on the Aboriginal, Indigenous people of the Western Hemisphere. Because again, when I suggest, you know, if you if you can, and it's not about that, but in the book, um, arguing the now of your ancestry, of your ancestry part two, we go into that the difference between, you know, Saracens being Moors and the Moors of the West being Moors. It's a brief difference, you know what I mean. So, when we call ourselves Black people, you know, we really have to comprehend what that means in law and why we can't get to having our own courts because in international law, black is not recognized as our nationality. Now, I say I'm going to just read this reference, but I'm glad Red and Blue was there to bear witness to the presentation last Wednesday. But from um, an etymology dictionary of 1872, it goes into the definition of black and it goes into you know, its origin of being from German, Dutch, and Danish, and it actually means pale on page, page 69 of this dictionary. And um, with that being said, you know, as long as we're bearing those brands, we can't get to having the court in that session as, whereas what you were saying as far as having two types of courts in session, um, really it's only one court in the superior court, I mean the supreme court, claim of having court comes from the nationals. So this is why it was even important for them to get a one-up on us by branding us Indians and blacks, Negroes, Afro, Afri, um, excuse me, Afro, what you say, Afro-Americans, 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 yeah. yeah. Afro-Americans, like all of these were brands so that when you come to identify yourself you know, they're looking at you as an inferior claimant because they know that word is bond. And when you claim words that really don't apply to you, you know, that's why they subject you and do us dirty like that. You know, and I'm not saying it's not challenges. Even when we come with jurisdiction and write words, I'm just saying for the most part, this was a part of their political spell to put our people out the race as far as civics and, and political rights. So all of those brands, being as though jurisdiction means right words, Indian, Indian, Afro-Americans, all of those things, you know, they don't really apply to us. But that's where they want us to be so that for the record, because everything goes back to record, whether it be your phone bill, cable bill, you know, birth, birth record, whatever it is, it goes back to something writing. In, in writing, and if the words are not right and exact, then you have an artifice set up, and that's what all of those brands mean, Indian, Afro-American, Afro-American, and it's not just that, because I'm saying it, like, it's documented in different venues all over North America, all over the planet, so I definitely, we definitely on the same page, but I just wanted to emphasize, you know, that those those are still brands. We are definitely Moors, Americans, Almoroccans. Brother, yeah, his line dropped, but I think this was a very helpful um, 
you know, conversation that you had with the family, and I'm sure that he's going to be able to catch the rest in the archive. So let us move to the next caller. We have a caller from 214-565-214-565. Welcome to No The Ledge Radio. Peace. Peace, caller. Hello, greetings. Peace. It's all. Greetings, are you there? It's all. Yes, we hear you. Peace. Peace. Welcome to KTL. Peace. It's long. It's long. It's long. (laughs) Do y'all hear me? Absolutely. We do. All right, all right, all right. I'd like to give uh, all praise due to Allah and to the family. It's been a great day, and especially on yesterday. The prophet, all praise is due to the prophet. And the birthday, January 8, 1886, has been a blessing. Yes, indeed. And I thank Allah. For RV Bay Publications, I need Raj and the King. Raj I'd put it like this here the Sun, because our people so much into the Sun and think the Sun going to save it. But it's our people that learn what Papa No Duali brought us to raise our people up from this dead corporate state to put us in a proper place to know who we are. We are more. We had permission to come to this good part of land. And I heard the brother speak, and he was going off in some definition, some high definition. But it states that when they came here, they found copper-colored indigenous people in America. Put a pen up to your skin. You ain't black. You ain't Negro. You ain't colored. You ain't African-American. And you sure ain't Ethiopian because ain't no dividing line. We all are more from the land of Canaan. Yes, indeed. Islam. Islam, boy. Yes, indeed. And, 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 and what our people need to realize, yes, they call us Afro-American, African-American, Afrocentric, all of those misnomer names that was shed out through the secrecy veil from the European cloak corporations. But yet, at the end of the day, you still classify as the minority. A minority mean, which means you have no your lack of capacity to handle your own affairs. It does not have anything to do with color or skin or your age. You are a ward of the state because you are a stateless person. But we are declaring our nationality. We are being up. Lifted. We're being uplifted what the prophet brought to us to raise ourselves up, to know 
our foremothers and our forefathers, to learn to respect our foremothers and our forefathers and raise ourselves up to honor them and honor ourselves and our offspring, to raise them up to know truly who they are. We are Moors. We are the indigenous habitants. This is our land. The sun never set. They claim that title, and you think it's the British. But now it was, look in history, it's the brutish Moors. We were from east to west, north to south. We are here. This is us. This is our land. And we are here, raised up. And I thank Allah for R.V. Bay Publications and our general, Todd Tariq Bay, for going on the battlefield, for putting literature out. And I heard the brother say he has a new book coming. Believe me, I will be receiving it. And raised up. And you keep doing. Y'all all keep doing what you're doing. And the brother that was talking first when the show came on, I didn't catch his name, but Islam. It stated in the Quran, they may plan, but Allah is the best of planners. It is time. We are in the age of Aquarius. Constantine and his crawl to conquer. Guess what? Allah is the best of planners. You may try to conquer, but Allah has already conquered. Islam, more listen to the teacher. For you are a student, in order for you to sit in the seat of those who are teaching, you must endure, you must go through, and most of all, you must know Islam. Islam, 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 noble. That's peace. Peace. I just want to add on. Yeah, I, I thank you for man for every all the support you give for everything. It is already available right now as we speak. So no. please do when you re- when you can receive it on your time, definitely analyze no. it. But thank you for studying as you already have been, and um, man, just thank you, thank everybody. Slam. Peace. 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 More. Okay, let's go to call us from six six one six six one. Seven four eight six six one caller, please. Greetings, caller. You there? In the six six one seven four eight. All right, we're going to go to caller from the seven one nine nine six four seven one nine nine six four. Greetings. Greetings. Um, uh, honors to the panel. Uh, uh, honors uh-huh. to, uh, well, well, this is Brother uh, Bokari Bay. Um, and uh, well. I just, <laughs> um, honors to Mother Roz and Anna Eid and uh, uh, Brother Misrahim. And I just wanted to give some support. And just uh, say a couple of quick things. I'm just so happy to see that um, this uh, show, uh, Know the Ledge, uh, this is the first time that I've called in on this show, and I'm just happy to see this show uh, 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 taking this position 
and um, broadcasting this information. I think that's a wonderful thing, and I look forward to many other shows by Asiatics doing the same thing. So honors to these two brothers for uh, doing that. And most of all, certainly honors to our prophet, Noble Drew Ali, mm-hmm. and Born Day. Um, and I, uh, uh, you know, Mother Roz and Mother Anna Eid and Miss Rahim are very familiar with myself. Um, and and I just want to say I'm looking forward to getting that book from you, uh, Brother Miss Rahim. <laughs> Peace. Thank you, Noble. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. And, um, Gosh, there's so many things that I could say, as is always the, the case when, when I listen to one of these wonderful shows. But as a nationalized Moor, a you know a Moor who has declared and proclaimed his nationality, uh, it is extremely important that if you call yourself a Moor, that you study and study well before you start putting things into action. Um, because what you will do is you will harm yourself potentially and harm others uh, because you become more susceptible to misinformation by those who continue to call themselves black, Negro, African, American, and colored, and they continue to preach this information to the uneducated Moors. Um, And speaking of uh, education, uh, we all should comprehend that when we send our children to schools, they're spending eight hours, sometimes nine hours a day in these uh, places that we call schools. Uh, Then they come home and watch several hours of television and receive more programming. And then we wonder, you know, why they turn out the way that they turn out. And so... Um, this goes back to some of the information that was spoken about earlier about the psychic war, about the, the you know, mind and how this continues to harm our people. And it's very funny uh, that if you believe that you are a slave, tying into one of the comments that was made earlier, if 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 you believe and think that you are a slave and you are a descendant of a slave, and that this story that was perpetrated called Roots, then you believe that you have no foundation in history, just as one of the brothers mentioned. And so if you have that type of mentality, it's easy for you to give up. It's easy for you to be fearful when you are faced uh, with any sort of uh, corporate attack by one of these corporate personnel. Uh, you know, pushing the uh, uh, crap or the statutes and acts and so on that they push. So you have to study. It can't be something that you just hear from, from, from individuals who are talking out the side of the neck. You must study. You must know. Um, don't just take someone's word for it. Study, crack a book, because if you don't, you're going to get hurt. And the last thing that I'd like to say because I know that you know we've been going for about three hours now, is that since I have nationalized, okay, since I have nationalized, and since I have started wearing my fez, I see things. I see how people perceive me, and I see the world totally different than I did a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. 
And so, again, I have to give uh, a, a great deal of props and, and, and honors to RV Bay Publications, Mother Roz, Mother Anna Eid, um, Taj Tariq Bay, Brother Nisrahim, Grand Shikujo Admiral L, um, and there are many, many, many more for putting out information that otherwise I would not have um, had access to. And so um, there are many books that I have on my bookshelves. Many of them I've read. Many of them I'm waiting to read. But the only way, again, I can't stress it enough, the only way that you are really going to be able to help others is to be able to help yourself. And with that, I say thank you very much. I love you all. Keep doing it. Islam. 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 Peace, man. Islam. Wow. Powerful. Word. Yes, let's go to 713 538. 713 538. Caller. Peace. Greetings. Caller from 713. One more time. 713 538. Peace. Okay. We are going to go to caller from the 410-595. Peace. Peace, Lord. Peace to everyone on the panel. Islam. I, um, you know, I made a statement earlier, and we were talking about uh, uh, the Jupiter-Saturn shifts with regards to uh, Noble Juali's birth. Okay, he was born in the seventh shift of uh, Jupiter Saturn since the advent of the age of Aquarius. Their brother dropped that link to that uh, cycle, to the math on that cycle. However, you know, it need be known that he had his own agenda with the with the year he gave for the beginning of the age of Aquarius. And I noticed that the advent of the age of Aquarius brought in the industry of military uh, proportions and gunpowder. Is, and its introduction into the battlefield and its use against other humans was the beginning for that age, and consequently that was the fall of the uh, original man's hold on the modern commercial market at that time. At the same time, the European used gunpowder to, to begin it, and everything that gunpowder says, how it's manufactured, all of that are keywords to the archetype of Aquarius, so it was really... Good to hear the brother in recognition of that. You can't tie to add the switch from Pisces to Aquarius without showing um, at that time, at that margin, uh, uh, this is when the power transfer went from the Europeans to the Moors, and they claimed the Moors Empire, of which North and South America were were uh, 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 under the jurisdiction of. So, you know, they, they, they provoked a lot of thought. You know, I wanted to go back to... Um, the birth certificate. People need to read Minnesota rules to uh, uh, under the birth certificate and understand that. Well, um, you can claim ownership of that trust simply by registering it uh, um, with the county, and you get it from the county archives. So when you walk into any courtroom, it is your bond. They can't. They can never hold you. The, the human flesh is collateral. You know. 
that's part of recognizing what your status is and, and how the whole system is really or, um, organized to function. You know, you can't get away from reading the articles of the Constitution because it is by these things. You know, you have to enforce these things. And you have to understand that it started with a boat, an abandoned boat or an abandoned ship. You know, and if your father wasn't there, this is what they came in with the birth certificate for because you were considered abandoned. Your mother was considered an abandoned mm-hmm. ship. So when you sign that, when she signed the birth certificate, then she gave the state ward of that boat. They made the state ward of that boat and the merchandise, the birth that was on it, which is yourself. You know, you can get power attorney from your mother and undo that real quick. You do, you, do you really? Do you really? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Make a comment. Go ahead. Know. Go in. Go in. I, I definitely want to follow up with you. What you done? It's just no, no. Actually, I heard on the e make a comment first. Go ahead, on the e. No, I, I can stop there. I'm just, I'm just. No, 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 no. no. I'm not talking about you, brother. I apologize. Go ahead, sister. I heard you. Make a have you have you ever had a have you ever had a child? No, I have not. I don't have any children. <laughs> okay. All right. I have I have nephews children. and nieces and I have borne witness to the entire process though. So, I mean I'm, Honey, uh, I'm you can you you have to this is this like everything you must experience. You can't speak for anything unless you have experienced it. And I can tell you, as a mother there was never a time in the entire birth process where I signed my children over voluntarily with full knowledge to a foreigner. There was never any time. There was never I don't recall time. ever saying that I think that everyone has done engaged in that. It, I it, think no, that look, I was referencing those people that enter upon that unilateral uh, contract without no, without any knowledge whatsoever. That's why it's not a contract. contract. Exactly. It's not a contract. And nobody who goes into those institutions of melanated complexion and Asiatic, none of us were told that we were entering into some fraudulent alleged contract. Right. Okay. Exactly. That's the truth. And because of that very reason, if you understand contract law, it's void. It, it does ab not initio. exist as a true contract, right? It, it, voids, it, it, it is void very, ab initio. Now, what it does show is it shows human trafficking. Islam. Now you can't okay, yeah, take indeed. a document. Islam, Islam. Hold on. You can't take a document that proves, without a shadow of a doubt, human trafficking. And then say, well, I'm going to use it to get some, because then you become hardened to that human trafficking of self. And so when you go into any room with any competent people and you profess to be competent and you say you are with more and then you pull out a fraudulent document that proves you human trafficking of you, and then you want to turn around and use that same document to get something, that's a grounds for a 730 examination. And that process that you're talking about, I, that process, the 
modern Europeans was trying to use that back in 2008 to steal our estate, and it didn't work, so they threw it out there. And now we are running with it, and we're not doing the appropriate analyzing, and it's getting us into a lot of trouble because people are thinking they're getting something. Let me tell you what you're getting. You're putting yourself right back in slavery. Yes. With a void document. With a void document. With a yeah. void document. And the writ is void for defective language. That's a, it's a case law on that. You could definitely check out rvbaypublications.com. And um, it's freedom. It will go into that. The fact that a writ could be void for defective language. And that um, case law to go with that. So when they misrepresent and create that artificial document, it has no standing ab initio. So a thing void in the beginning does not become valid by lapse of time. And I think Mother Anna E. said it the best. When you look at something that's artificial and try to claim it as real, as yours, that's the first step to going into an artificial jurisdiction, opposed mm-hmm to recognizing it for what it is. It's something fake. You know what I mean? Like, and and prior to them coming up with birth certificates, you know, um, your your live record of birth was either written down or recorded in the holy book. Whichever holy book, you know, your, your particular family may have been into, if any, you know, but if it was just recorded, you know, two witnesses, you know, we did witness that this mother, whoever, gave birth to twins on this day or a single child or triplets or whatever on this day. And that was sufficient, you know, for a live birth record. It still is. It still is. Mm-hmm. But um, that's really what it is. Now, on our Tuesday show, we was going in, and this whole thing about the birth certificate and how philosophy, you know, it correlates with law. That law is derived from philosophy or the true love of wisdom. And the reference from Khalil Gibran, when he was speaking about um, you have your Lebanon and this people, I have my Lebanon and this people. And yours are those whose souls were born in the hospitals of the West. Right now, a soul already exists. Like, it's not derived from an artificial document from a hospital in the West. Like, it's just not, or anywhere for that matter. You know, or anywhere where they're creating an artificial jurisdiction and saying that it applies to you. It's just an artificial document, and whoever created it, you know, they you can recover damages for misrepresentation ab initio. That's the real route to take when you come to, you know, that identity achievement or that knowledge of self, whereas you recognize that that's just an artifice. But he goes on to say, you know, they are strong and eloquent among themselves, but weak and dumb among the Europeans. I just wanted to quote that again because um, that that's very consistent with, you know, giving these people credit where it, they really misrepresented us. That's the whole issue. 
I just wanted I, to add that on. I know, wanted I to add something, too, because um, I don't know if it was this brother, but someone else, you know, a lot of that they deal with, like, admiralty, you know, the shipwreck and this, whatever like that. But if they would go to Article 3 of the Constitution, <laughs> original jurisdiction and admiralty is also in the same place as the, the Supreme Court. So a lot of them think that these Europeans, man, they're running the court like, like, you know, like it's shared for. They're running admiralty. Well, guess what? There's nothing that they're doing that's not fiction. Everything they do is fiction, mm-hmm. especially if you're talking about judicial, well, really anything, but as we are talking about judicial authority and finding judicial remedy, all right, they don't even have a delegation of authority to operate as judges or as a court. So um, because I guess we really haven't studied that document enough, we think that they have some rule over admiralty law because we didn't read Article 3 where it tells you right there. So we trump all, all of that is trumped. We, our ancestors, brother, and, and people listening, were so eloquent when they wrote that document for these Albions so that they would not molest you. You see, and the prophet said that. He said, enforced it. It's a national constitution. American constitution is for nationals, not for people who are not nationals. It's to protect the natural people, all right? And he said, enforce it so that you are not molested by these other citizens. So there's nothing that they can do that our ancestors didn't already see ahead for. Our problem is that we have not analyzed enough or studied enough to know that there's no, they have no jurisdiction over admiralty at all. It's right there. It's right there. But um, I'm glad we cleared up the birth certificate thing. It's just, it's a void. Listen, everyone's going out to try to avoid it. We want to gain something from it. We 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 made a distinction. I think we realized that um, people are trying to avoid the doc, the birth certificate without realizing that it's already void. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because it's a void instrument. And then others are trying to gain something from it that they think they can gain. And there's nothing to gain from that because it's void. It can't be made anything. And, and you know, just one last thing on that. It is what's used to legitimize the bond and the whole process of holding you once you walk into the courtroom, though. I don't understand. I understand what you said. But I don't understand how it applies to what I just asked with that regard. I'm asking, really, because uh, this is what they use. When they arrest you and they identify you and you fall into that trap. But it's not you. But it's not, it's well, a right, right. I understand that, and that that is proclaimed. Oh, oh, I do that before I even get to court. I proclaim that that is not me. The the, the thing is, um, you can use it in your possession to uh, um, to to dissolve the whole matter right there. So I don't I don't see how the knowledge of of, of how they use it to bond you and 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 counteracting that is not appropriate no, knowledge. But um. Uh, it is well, first of all, first of all, this is where identifying the parties becomes very, very important. You, 
you're, you have to go back. For example, um, Ferguson. A lot of people look at Ferguson as a corporation. You yourself talk about these um, courts that you're going into. Well, Cor- Ferguson is a corporation. It's right in Google. Just Google it. Because Ferguson was incorporated in 1894. So how can Ferguson be incorporated and be a government? Right. All right. Now then, you have to ask, well, how did Ferguson come into being? Who authorized that? Says the General Assembly of Missouri. Well, is there anything in the Constitution that authorizes a General Assembly? No. There isn't. So where that where where does the General Assembly get its um um authority from? Great Britain. Because So you're where, challenging constitutionality. No, 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 no. No, it's not it's 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 you have to look at it in order for you to be clear who you're dealing with, you have to do the appropriate research. Many of our, our problems today is that we're looking at these corporations as though they're government because they have set themselves up using government titles, but they're corporations. And as a court, so you have to you have to draw out the historical reference to that particular corporation. So once you do the historical research and you look, Ferguson Incorporated 1894 by General Assembly of Missouri, and now look at the timeline, 1894. Okay, exactly how do you present yourself with that or defend yourself with that in the circumstances? Look, so you're asking, what you're asking is, okay, look at it like this, okay, I got some sort of a, a document in the mail from Midas Corporation. They're demanding that I come in, and 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 they're saying that they're they're a corporation, and I mean they're government, and that they're holding court. I know they just finished. I know they just fixed my brake. How the heck? But I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna make a presentation. I'm gonna present myself to the Midas Court. That's how we sound. Because yeah. they are not government. That. All right, I so if you get that, then you ought to know that in a corporation that impersonates a government officer is a federal violation. So Fraud. you have to you don't go in and, and tell them, Oh, I know who you are, you're you're nothing more No, you report them to the United States um uh Department of Justice and Interpol. Because as a more you're international, you deal in international venue. You also report them. This is where writing writs come in. You know, and the way for your writ to have force, you have to draw out the historical reference. You have to put it in black and white. You have to tell the story with your words. These people got their authority from Great Britain. How can they be over here and they're harassing, stalking, and kidnapping us? Where does that come from? And the supreme law of this land is the American Constitution, so they're already in violation. And every time we go into their venues, 
and we ask them for their delegation of authority pursuant to Article 3, Section 1, they don't have it. So they, that tells you they're not a court. And then you go in there and they say, well, this is this is an administrative process. We're only yeah, I understand that. Oh, well, quote, see, but, quote, no, no, rento, no, no. Rento, hold on, let me just change. say this. Let me just say this. In corporations, there are administrators. All right, they 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 call their administrators. Some of them, for example, if you have a problem at the job, you go to the human resources administrator. So you're not <laughs> even dealing with a government entity. You're dealing with a corporation, and a lot of people. I'm not at odds at all with that. I'm not at odds with anything of, y'all have said. I'm, I have a question though. In okay. terms of applicability and, and practice to enforce to enforce the Constitution, then um, okay. I, I've been in a situation right in court where where I followed all of the, all of that. Okay, where I, where I uh, wrote the affidavits, let them precede me, declaring my status. I could trace my lineage back to a man named John Green. Free man, black man, or with the uh, or more free more, yeah. and uh, the land that he owned that he fought in the Revolutionary War, relocated in Pennsylvania where his descendants uh, uh, brought me forth. I can show proof all that, okay? Uh, and um, this is before the Europeans got here. His parents were here, and they and their parents came from the islands, and um, they you know maroons and things of this nature. But at any rate, um. I understand all that, but when you walk into the courtroom materially, physically, and they're asking you your name, and, and you know, I've, I've stood my square several times and was released, okay? And, uh, you know, I understand what you're saying. I'm not denying any of that that you're saying. I'm saying actively, you can't just stand there and do nothing, or that you, you're allowing them to trample all over you. You have to speak up. I, I've written uh, uh, affidavits uh, uh, um, challenging their uh, authority, using the 13th Amendment, challenging the fact that this that I'm a national. And, yeah, I was released, but it was never done outrightly, overtly, like, oh, you're correct. We're going to let you go. Bye. You're right, dismissed. And it's never done like that. They always do it in a safe face manner. So wh- what yeah. I'm saying is it sounds, you know, to, to make those declarations, you challenge the, 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 whether the judge is Article 3 or Article 6, and they still don't care. They still put me on hold. It takes me eight months to get out of jail. You understand? So I'm, I'm trying to see. I don't see where, it, where it's like, you know, using that, Usually exactly what you're saying in the courtroom is applicable without, you know, without an explanation of how to actually implement that and establish your status. You know, I understand that we have to reestablish. I understand that they're using a fraudulent instrument and all of that. You understand what I'm saying? Islam. 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 I just want to interject one of the prophecies of Noble Drew Ali in consistency with the, the whole aspect of this broadcast tonight and what you're saying right now. Like, the first things first, you was talking about the birth certificate and the fact that the birth certificate connects you to a 14th Amendment jurisdiction, United States citizen. So you first have to recognize, well, what is that? Like, what interest do you have in that? Because when you look at what Noble Drew Ali was talking about, 
he was always saying you could reference um message to America in the divine warning by the prophet to the nations floor and he was mentioning in the divine warning to the nations by the prophet wherein he said the application of the fourteenth and fifteenth amendment will not be necessary for the salvation of the citizens and my people. Like now the birth certificate is a fourteenth amendment correlation instrument correlated because it's dealing with artificial persons. You dot S dot citizens opposed to American or Al Moroccan citizens. So if you know that the the whole essence of the quote birth certificate is a fraud ab initio and you know who the true Americans or Al Moroccans are you would not even have an interest in trying to get anything from a fraudulent document as an issue, because it's a fraud, and that's all it really could be seen as, as a fraud, because it's 14th Amendment status. It's not Aboriginal or Al Moroccan or American citizenship in any type of way, and it is a big difference between a U.S. citizen and an American citizen. Because even what they call Canada, which is really Canaan land, you know, all of it is North America, which they circumscribed out on the modern maps I'm talking. On the modern maps, you see what they call the U.S. dot, which is a portion of North America, because even what they call Canada, which is Canaan land, is still North America. So it's a distinguishment between an American citizen and a United States citizen, and it has everything to do with territorial jurisdiction. Because when you look at the 14th Amendment, wherein it states that all persons born or naturalized within the jurisdiction of the United States are citizens of the United States and in the state wherein they reside. They're subject to the jurisdiction of an artifice, a corporation. It's a corporation. So when you don't recognize that the instrument that they're claiming is a bond in any type of way is a fraud, you get caught up, you know, on void records opposed to relaxed because you realize that they're void records and they just perpetually remain that. I submitted a notarized affidavit of denial of corporate existence. Let me ask you this. They ignore that. They ignore that totally. Now, now let me ask you this before you go on. What's the origin of a notary? Well, he's put into office through some process. I don't know that. So, you know, I just know what he does, what his function is, how I use him. Yeah, apparently, apparently, under color, you know, distinguished from that which is real. But notaries, notaries are just slaves that can read and write. That's it. I mean, excuse me, that can read and write, if you will. In these, so I can get two people to authorize it as well. Two witnesses. Yeah, two natural, two natural people. You know, because most of the time you look at notaries, they present themselves in all caps. Their claims are in all caps. So therefore, the the it's a void writ. It's artificial. 
I mentioned in this denial of corporate existence, everybody part and party from the arresting officer on up. The clerk, I challenged the uh, 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 corporate existence of the DA, even of the defendant, okay? And the judge as well, because there's a, there's a, there's a process. But they, And I did that based upon me being born a free man in the free land of a free uh, national and sovereign people. They, they, they just ignored this. And their entire process, they ignored it. When I asked the judge to show, when I asked the judge to show and prove, his, when I asked him for his bond, I asked him for his oath and for the insurance provider's phone number, address, and 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 his and the serial number on his oath to his insurance policy. I tell, I explain to him that failure to do so is is a violation and it is fraud. Under Article 3, I think, 103, if I remember the numbers correctly, because I really don't remember the numbers. So when I was in the heat of that moment, I had all my paperwork. I got all my paperwork here in a stack, so I, but I don't have it memorized. At any rate, they still ignore all presentation, period. You see, and, they, and, and what they said and at the end, well, they put a bond on me, okay, and held me for like six months before they released me. Now, let yeah. me Okay. What I'm trying to say is, I, I pronounce everything you're saying. I let them know I come from a lineage that goes all the way back to before the, the Moors abandoned these outposts that y'all are now calling Central Post Office. Okay, I understand that. They, and they didn't refute it. They just didn't answer it at all. They conceded. They, they continued. You know, I didn't enter a cop. I never acknowledged my identity at all, period. Today, well, I was well, able to get you, out eventually. I was able when to get out eventually when, because I presented that for an instrument. When you, when you asked them for it and they didn't give it to you, that means because I didn't ask they them. I demanded my freedom. From, yeah, I listen, demanded everything. They didn't, they didn't give it to you because they don't have it because they're not a court and you don't belong in there. Okay, so and, so, and they eventually let me go on that premise. What I'm saying is, and I understand that, and I would like to illustrate to other people that, 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 that just to think that you can go in there word perfect and, and that's a rare occasion. You know, the other Islam, brother said I, something about personality you, and how you present yourself in the courtroom has everything. We have a question for you. Uh, yeah, I'm you not know, arguing with y'all. Am I? Does it appear that I'm at the end? No, 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 I mean, I don't want you to really get into the specifics of the issue, but what type of issue was it? It was a felony. It was an A felony, Class A felony. Just leave it right there. And, uh, I, and I was released eventually. Okay. Well, all right. Thing is, and, I, and they and they weren't. And, and listen, the DA, she was going. She kept threatening, like, look, I'm gonna just keep putting it off and putting it off until you cop, until you acknowledge it. And I, and I asked her directly on the record, for the record, now that the maker may reflect now and forevermore, to identify the defendant. That's what. That's how I got out of there. Wasn't until I used that void instrument. See, it's not really that void, because the queen signed off on one preferred stock on our name on the birth certificate that our mother signed, not knowingly. Those mothers who did sign, unknowingly. You see, and that instrument is what they used to justify holding me for six months. When you say void, and I'm challenging them on every precept. I never acknowledged the birth certificate to the very end. That was my last straw. 
You see? Or that I was going to stay in there for 45 years. They did not abandon ship on the matter until I presented that matter. When I said, y'all know that this is, y'all been holding me and I'm an injured party. That they finally was like, they they just let everything go. You know, they, wow, and you know. my thing is, so when you, even though I stood on the common law, I said from the very moment that I was there, from day one, the first thing I said out of my mouth is, I'm only here by special appearance under stress and duress, coercion, and force. Okay? I want that for the record. And I stressed that on several occasions. I stressed, I am a flesh and blood man. I am not the collateral. Or any of that. That's you know what, what they're treating you, said, you as in there. So, you know, for me, and I stood up there, I dropped it on paper before I got there. It's not even addressed. It's not even addressed in the courtroom. You see, I'm talking from my experience. I'm, I mean, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard a lot of things for years. So are we. When you said, yeah, he's just rolling. When you said that, um, oh, you didn't lose my train of thought. What was I going to say? Pardon me. Pardon me. <laughs> no, but you did. Pardon me. I didn't mean to do that. Well, you did. It's, it's, um, it's the magistrate. When you, said she kept going, when you said that they kept bringing it back, bringing it back, see, you were supposed to have removed it if you really were the law once you discovered that they're not really a real court. And a lot of times that's what they do. This is what they'll do. They'll keep putting it off and putting it off because they're really waiting to see what you're going to do. And when we keep coming back into that venue that we know is not real, they realize after a certain amount of time that we really do not know what we're doing because we have not removed it, being the law that we are. With all the violations that you said you can point out, but you were still giving it to the people who were injuring you instead of taking it and removing it out of that venue. That's the comment that I wanted to make in that respect. I mean, I think you were trying to say something as well. No, yeah. I think I heard I heard what you said too in terms of taking it from that uh from that county level to a state court or to a federal. Is that what you were referencing? Oh, Look. that's what I was referencing. Yeah. Look, because they're okay. not court. And the fact that they're not a court. Go ahead. Yeah, you're right. So I could take yeah, it to the federal court, which is a court. No. No. The federal. Look. 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 No. You got to Go do. You got. You. This. It's so imperative because, see, the, I believe, I believe, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not taking away from what you have experienced, but you went into a place and you were misidentifying the people there. You were dealing with a corporation. That corpor it's it's not the state that is attacking you. It is the county corporation. Those county corporations have established meeting rooms that they go into and they tell you they're in court, but it's not court. It's just 